Hello there, and welcome to the Master Movie Podcast. Everybody. That was so <laughs> bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I kind of wonder why you went with a British accent, but okay. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> that was so bad. Hey, when I do a British accent, when I attempt a British accent, they think people are like, "Why is he doing a Bostonian accent?" I'm like, "I'm not doing Bostonian. Does it really sound like that?" Well, yeah, Bostonian is like it's old, old American. It's like it has a, a tinge of that British to it. Oh my god! But also. I commend you for trying something different, regardless of whether it was good or not. Participation yeah. award. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So, we're going to do something new. Changes. Change. I forgot how that song went. Um, yeah. So... Because, okay, so Zach recently pointed out that, like, we kind of go pretty crazy over news. We're not, we're not going to lie. We, we took the entire span of the last movie to talk about news. That is true. That uh, is, you may have a point. He did want to get to a movie that, which he had not seen for the show. Let mm-hmm. that be clear, too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't want to say that, but that is very, very true. So, I've set up a 20-minute timer. We get all the stuff out of the way, all the news in this 20 minutes. And I'm assuming like this time will vary for different subjects every time. Sure, but generally, 20 minutes. Yeah, like, I mean, if there was, like, uh, something important that happened in the news or, like, I don't know, I'm, I mean, talk about my breakfast for, like, 30 minutes. It's something important. Um, so, depending on the subject, we, it might vary, but 20 minutes, we're going to try it and see... If it works. So we're experimenting today. Today's an experiment Mm -hmm. with news. Now, the error here is that I forgot to look up subjects. So we're probably going to talk about the Oscars and the leaked Trevorrow script. Probably Fox losing its name. And Fox losing its name. That was a big one. And the Morbius trailer. Uh, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay. Are we ready? I'm ready. My cheeks are clenched. All right. (laughs) Three, two, one. Started. Okay. What do you want to talk about first? Um, um, pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, first of all, uh, let's talk about Morbius, because it's pretty simple. I mean, it does look like your standard, normal... Uh, beginner's superhero story, but it, technically he's part of the Sony MCU deal, so everyone gets one of those really. Um, mm-hmm. And he doesn't—he doesn't look annoying. He looks fine. We only get one real look at him as Morbius, and uh, he does look good. Um, so yeah, I wonder if he'll be like connected to Blade and stuff. I'm, I'm was, all very—I'm I'm interested. When I first saw it, I'm like, 
This is how Blade. This is this is Blade's like entry point. Probably. So I wouldn't be surprised if this deal between Disney and Sony were to hold up. That well, this, this just shows how much connected tissue they had plus Spider-Man on the table in the first place and they freaked out. Because this more I it could be like the first event like the first Iron Man movie ever and they tagged on uh like a um oh my gosh, his name is escaping me. Who was Birdman? Batman? Uh Michael Keaton. Thank you, Michael Keaton. So like maybe they tacked on Michael Keaton at the end. Um but my guess my hope is that he's like he shows up a little bit more in the movie. And if that's the case, then he would have been in the script early on. And that means they, that this is a prime example of the cases where they were going to try to get Venom and Morpheus into the MCU from time to time. Like, I think they wanted to get that together so that, like, it gets Disney closer to wanting to buy Sony. but Or at least being so connected to them through this process that they don't even need to buy Sony. They've just got their... They've just got a thing going. But it also says that while this Morpheus thing was going on, that um, they were fighting. They probably knew that they were going to connect him somehow through their uh, other material, and they just didn't know yet. But I could be wrong, because Venom doesn't really have anything connected to it, and that would have been the better bet to do it with. So either they were waiting for some reason and wanted to see how Venom went, or this was a lot like last-minute decision, but I don't, I don't know. It, it, all, it, it, should, it makes me wonder how much they had connected, planned connected to the MCU, and then had this little spat. So, when I first saw this trailer, I'm like, okay, I wouldn't be surprised if, like in Batman Begins, at the end, there's like, a reference to Blade. At least that's how I would do it. Just for the heck of it. You know? Um, I don't know if I would do a reference to Blade straight up, like the character Blade, but maybe one of his villains that, or like an organization or uh, something that could connect them both together. Um, if they just pull Blade, sure. They've already... They already said it's Marcella, but I guess I would have to see when the Blade movie was supposed to come out. Uh, yeah. If it's too far that. away, it's, if it's too far away, I think they're just going to lay the groundwork like they did Wakanda or something else. So they're like, you know, we're going to explain a little bit about the world more. That way, when we get to Blade, it'll be even easier to be like, here's badass Blade. Right. Okay. That would be, that would be the way that I would approach it. But they could easily just be like, have you heard this guy named Blade? Or they could just be like, you hear about the half vampire, half human that can walk in the day, the daywalker. Like, all they gotta do is say daywalker. A hybrid, yeah, yeah. Um, Lido looks great. Mixed race guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that one's gonna catch on. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Blade, the mixed race guy. <laughs> I think I he should be that nickname, Blade. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, oh, geez, my phone just timed out. I don't know. Okay. Um, so, Lido looks great. I think he he's got that superhero bod. Um, he's always had. A, he's always been attractive, and I don't mind the long hair or the beard. Um, 
Yeah, and I also don't mind the way that he's approaching the character before then. Um, he, he's not really... I, I think it's interesting. I think he was probably... I, I, I'm wondering if I watch it and I'm wondering if he's like so reserved and pulled back because of the Joker. Um, so yeah, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, the, he's done something, he's done stuff in between the Joker and this, that um, probably could have given him pause to be like, I'm going to not overact. I'm going to underact as much as I can. I'm not trying to do something weird here, but it's hard to say all, all the stories I hear about him on suicide squad are just awful and terrible. Um, and his approach to it does not seem pleasant for anyone. And the character, the performance of the character just aren't good. Um, it sucks that they didn't utilize him in a better way for the script and didn't talk to him or like, maybe they couldn't, maybe all they could talk to was Mr. J. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Mr. J. But this Morbius guy seems it's, it, he, I hope I hope he doesn't like get too weird when he becomes like the vampire aspect of it. But um, I, I like that. He's going to go from meek to strong to um, weird. And I think Leto can do weird. He he's really good when he's covered in makeup sometimes, but it, it just didn't work out with the Joker. Like he won an Oscar because he can play a character that's compelling. Well, so I, I do like Leto. It just, I'm wondering if he's going to be too bland or if he's going to be um, just right. Mm, yeah. Okay, we are at 13 and a half minutes. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. we rest in peace, Fox. Um, yeah, there's nothing really to say to that other than, like, I'm not surprised. Fox News is not a good name to have attached at all. And Disney may be conservative, but they do not want to be connected to Fox News. And then there is, like, <laughs> there is, like... Fox and FX that are just grittier, more adult things. I think they're probably just going to call it 20th Century. Yeah, it's 20th Century uh, Studios and Searchlight Pictures. That's what they're calling it now. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Get the Fox out of there. GTFO! There's just, there's just not a good... There's nothing good connected to that name outside of uh, You've Got Mail, so... Yeah. Um, okay, Oscars. Just under 13 minutes. All right, so Oscars. Um, I'm going to pull up the Oscar nomination. How about this? How about we do the 20 minutes for the the rest of the 20 minutes for the Oscars, then I'll, we'll give you an extra 10 for the Trevorrow thing. Okay. All right. All right. So make it around 30. All right, best pick. Okay, let's look at this thing here. Nominees, nominees, go to nominees. Uh, I know we have. As I say, Irish, let's see. We have the Irish. I have the list. I have the list. We have Hollywood. We have Little Women. We have Jojo Rabbit. We have Ford v Ferrari. Okay. What am I? Nineteen Seventeen. Ford v Ferrari. Joker. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Parasite. The Irishman. Uh, Little Women. Jojo Rabbit. And Marriage Story. Story. Um, so out of uh, just guessing, just go with your gut. What do you think would win? That's hard. Of course, it's hard. It's hard every year. But like, and I don't expect you. You don't follow the Oscars. I'm not expecting you to be right. Just like uh, what my dad does. My dad doesn't necessarily watch all the movies, but he'll go with his gut at times. 
Oh man, dead air. Um, wonder, wonder where those twenty minutes go. <laughs> something tells me it's going to come down to Hollywood and Irishmen. Um, I because they really the, like Tarantino and Scorsese. I think Tarantino has a very good chance this year. The more I've been watching some videos and reading some stuff more on Hollywood, and the more I read, the more I'm like, oh god, this movie is like a really good Tarantino movie. Just like. It, it on on yeah I, I I just think it's really smart and mature and and things he's commenting on himself in film more than just film himself while also there's a lot of things I can say about it but like ultimately I think this is a good year for him for a best picture win since he's never won one uh, I also think as much as the Irishman is really good and people love it and people love Scorsese and it has a chance I think an equal if not better chance would probably be 1917. That not just winning the Golden Globes, it just seems like a good, like strong Oscar movie. And when my dad looks at it, it's he's like, That's so good, dude. It's so good. I, yeah, but like I also saw a really good article title. I didn't read the article, but I saw the title and it said, Does 1917 say anything new about war? And that's no, how it doesn't. Go. Like, I don't mind something being a good war movie, but when in terms of best picture and the ones that it's up against this year, it makes me wonder if people aren't just going to be like, It looks good the way they did Gravity. I mean, they gave it to Birdman because Birdman said something about superhero movies at the time when the Oscars were okay with being a little bit more venomous still to superhero movies. And I think that sentiment has left. But the technique of Birdman and the performances are still really good. Uh, I, I think in this case, I could see them giving it to cinematography and all these other elements, but not really giving it best picture just because it may look good. It may be a good time. But they also, they love L.A. movies. They love Hollywood movies. They love movies about movies. So I, I could see this being Tarantino's year and thinking people love Tarantino. The Oscars being like, people love Tarantino. It's a crowd pleaser. It, it like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to satisfy normal people, popular people, and the geeks, probably. Um, I don't think JoJo or Marriage Story or Joker no. I think the outlier and the one that most people are considering the actual best picture of the year, the Roma of the year, would probably be Parasite. Yeah. Like, Parasite seems to be the one that everyone is going to probably remember years from now. Having not seen it, it just seems to be what the, the vibe of it is. Every year there's one. Like, There Will Be Blood was a tough year, but that was, like, what people were considering that. But then No Country is really great. And then there was um, Tree of Life. Tree of Life was probably the movie of its year. Mad Max. It's happened. Uh, and I think that's what Parasite is. Like the best picture of the year usually never wins unless everyone has seen it and everyone loves it and it's like unanimous, like a Titanic or something like that. Uh, I, I, I think it's up with those four. I think Parasite, Irishman, 1917, and Hollywood are the real, that's the real fight here. I, would, I yeah. don't think Joker's going to win. Yeah, jo- yeah, I don't think, Ugh, man. So, okay. As I do every year, I'm going to try and see as many of these as I can. I've already seen 1917 and Joker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and catch... No, I am going to make it a mission to watch Ford VPR because I feel like that's going to be my favorite out of this list if I were to watch all of these. Why do you say that? Uh, every trailer I've seen, I've loved. I Everything I've seen about Ford VPR, I absolutely loved, and I want to see it. So I really, I really okay. want to see it. Okay. Um, Maybe rush. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna reminds me of that. Uh, I'm gonna try and catch Jojo Rabbit. I love Taika Waititi. 
I feel like you'll like that one a lot. Oh man, so, I don't. I don't think you would care about Marriage Story. I think you should. I'm not, I'm not gonna see Marriage Story. I, I want everyone I've got to enough see movies. going on. I want, dude, I want everyone to see movies like that, and I hope one day you give it a shot because you like these two actors and you've liked them in so many things that when they actually decide to, you know, act, I wish that someday people would give them that shot. But um, I understand also that it's probably not your kind of movie. But my hope is one day you give it a shot. Uh, but I don't think this year you should bother because it's not, it's not going to win, and I don't think anyone from the movie is going to win. Although I do, yeah, just one day give it give movies like these a shot. You don't I, think even Scarlett my, Johansson's going to win Best Actress? No, I think it's probably going to go to um, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Let's go over she's there. A safer, um, she's a safer bet, I would think. I didn't even know she was in anything this year. Anyway, um, she's won most of the she's in, she's actually won most of the awards for this. She's the she's the lead. She's in the running for I sure. See. Okay, and she's and it's not the first one she's won. She's totally won an Oscar before. Hmm. Okay. Now for me, it's gonna come down for me. It's gonna come down to like. Are you gonna watch Hollywood? I got, actually, I. It's either Hollywood or The Irishman. I don't know which one I'm actually gonna watch. It's probably just gonna be like a huge toss up. I'd honestly. say watch them. I'd say watch them both. Why not? I know, but. The likelihood is now that I've actually started school again, I might actually only be able to catch one. If I'm gonna watch Ford Vifiari and JoJo too, it's. I mean, uh, I don't know when the Oscars are, so I'll find. They uh, are February 9th. Then I would say, out of those two, then yeah, Hollywood would probably be more up your alley, while Irishman would probably affect you more when you're like either closer or older than me. Okay. And probably I mean, and I'm going to give it I'm going to give it my best shot, but No, I I also think that Irishman definitely benefits from watching more Scorsese and you're really behind on him in general. I I think one yeah. of the most important conversations about that movie is how he's made so many gangster films, but this one is just not like any of the ones he's made. It has a different tone and speed and vibe to it, but is still quite excellent. And I think when you have those other films to compare it to, it's it's a lot easier to see what people are talking about in, in terms of its quality. Whereas Hollywood, I think, um, is a good movie despite not seeing all of Tarantino and only will benefit it if you like it, which I think you would. Uh, over time, when you watch it and watch his films, it'll be better. Okay. Who wins Best Actor, Joaquin or Leo? Joaquin, probably. You think Joaquin? Leo has the tendency to always be nominated the same year as the person who is without a doubt going to win. It's happened several times. Uh, and the only year he has ever won is the year he was up against nobody. And it's like everyone, everyone <laughs> like if you look at when he won for Revenant, people like I agree the Revenant is a good performance, but it's mostly him like in survival mode. Like he's crawling around on the ground in the dirt in like Canada and it's freezing cold and nobody wants to do it. But he's still doing it. And it's not like I'm saying it's not acting. It's just he's actually been characters fleshed out and been extremists. Like, I think his best performance is Wolf of Wall Street, honestly. But he has so many good ones. And every time he's up, like for Aviator or Catch Me If You Can or like all these, even I, uh, uh, um, 
I, I, there's this, I think he did Blood Diamond too. I, yeah, he was nominated for Blood Diamond. Every year he goes up against somebody who is obviously going to win. He lost for Ray. Uh, he lost against um, uh, his partner in um, uh, Gangs in New York, Daniel Day-Lewis. Of course you lose to Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he's lost to Daniel Day-Lewis twice. So <laughs> he's, uh, he's just always up against somebody who's all, like a guarantee. He lost to, to Dark Knight, Heath Ledger. Like It's always a year that everyone's like, well, that's the best one. And I, when I think about the performances of both of them, uh, I think Leo is amazing. I don't think this is his best, but I do think it's one of his best. And it's, he's certainly having a great time. And it's way better than Revenant, in my opinion. But when I think about that movie and who gives a better performance and who deserves the uh, N award more than anyone else, it would be Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood especially after watching it a second time, I was like, damn it, dude. I thought they were going to give it to Pesci, and I think Pesci's a good fight for him for supporting actor, but like, I think it's going to go to Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's performance is pretty great, um, especially at the end when he is just murdering people. So um, there's just something, like, he, he plays it. He's incredibly violent. He fights someone. He's in shape. He's, like, easygoing, cool. He goes back to his old stoner days from True Romance. He... Uh, it's just I think he's gonna win for for a supporting actor, and if that's the case, I think the Academy's okay with giving it to him, and then giving Joker to Joaquin because I don't know what else they're gonna give Joker. Maybe score because score is the score is really good and it has a shot, but I don't think they're gonna give a director, and I don't think they're gonna give a best picture. I don't think they're gonna give a best script, and I think the cinematography is probably gonna go to Deakins. So if they're gonna give it anything. They're going to give it to Joaquin. And it's not like Joaquin didn't fucking earn it. He's the best and most... Um, uh, he's the best and purest part of that movie. He's the thing that will last above any other aspect of it. And it, it deserves recognition, for sure. So I, when I think about him versus Leo, uh, sadly, I think he just is a more compelling performance Whereas they're like as compelling as Leo is in Hollywood, there's also other truly compelling performances in that movie. And honestly, I just think Wolf of Wall Street was it. Like that was his beat. I, I think he, I think he's possible to give another performance that could earn an Oscar. But I think when he gets it, he'll get like Revenant again. He'll get he'll get Scorsese with The Departed. Scorsese had the same thing. He just kept losing all these other years to better movies, and then finally, when Departed came out, it was a slow year. And they were like, Uh, Departed. Okay. I'm going to make a decision here. We're just going to keep going, okay? Because we're out of time. Oh, <laughs> but I still want to keep talking about it. <laughs> there, are, there are other things. Like, it seems weird. It, like, I don't think Todd Phillips should have gotten Best Director. I think they should have given it to Greta Gerwig. The fact that there's no women... That record, was rather questionable to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. No um, directors. No female recognition for Aquafina for the farewell for so many things it's crazy so going back to best actor for me I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do what your dad would do and go with my gut mm-hmm. based on what I've seen of marriage story I'd say don't sleep on Adam Driver he might of pull course. Mark Ruffalo what does that mean? Mark Ruffalo's never won an Oscar. Yes, yes. Didn't he win for uh, 
Didn't he win for uh, what was that movie called? Spotlight. No. He didn't win for Spotlight. Rachel no, Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance for um Bridge of Spies. Yeah, Rylance. Yeah. Yeah, out from um Sylvester's Sylvester uh, out from Sly's uh Creed because everybody yeah. thought oh Creed should have he should have won for Creed like Yeah, but did dude, he have though? Rylance is amazing and he's like he's Spielberg's new baby, so it's like they're great. Yeah. As, yeah, I'm my gut says don't sleep in Adam Driver. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I think that's based off of well, considering that all that all the other movies have these other elements to it, and I think the closest thing to Adam Driver would be uh, Joaquin's Joker because both of them are very much about the performance. But Adam Driver has someone to work off of. Um, he's got Scarlett Johansson, and, but mostly, yeah, it's about what he does in his performance. But I think that that um, he's got such a strong future ahead of him that the Academy is going to be like, we'll get him later. And they're going okay. to give it to Joaquin. Like, like Joaquin has been nominated a few times. He hasn't won. And the, he, I, I'm, I just, like, I'd have to see Marriage Story to see how compelling those performances are. But when I, what I understand Marriage Story to be is an old-fashioned um, John Cassavetes uh, family in turmoil and cameras just, you know, personal handheld in their house kind of a movie. These things have been around for a while. Their mood pieces, and they. My guess is they've been done better. So it really is about the performances in the script, and I don't think script is going to win, and I don't think any of the performances are. I think the nominations are all it's going to get. So if driver, if driver, that would be crazy. So here's my thing: going to best supporting actor. Then this looks like on paper, this looks like a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Sam. Oh man, you no. What? Who's up again? Okay, for best supporting actor, Anthony Hopkins for the Two Popes, Brad Pitt no. for Hollywood, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, Al Pacino for The Irishman, and Tom Hanks for Our Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay, I know that Zach keeps pushing for that, but no, it's not gonna. He, uh, Tom Hanks will not win for that. Um, and it's just like the like the movie. That's really the only thing about the movie that people are talking about. It's to me, he's like the ma- the male Meryl Streep. He'll always give a solid performance, and they'll nominate him for it. But it doesn't necessarily mean he'll win. Like this seems like a Florence Jenkins, whatever for her, or when she did like um, uh, Margaret Thatcher. I just think they're like, oh, it's Tom Hanks. He's Mr. Rogers. Give him the Oscar nom because he's gonna be good. And he watched it, and people are like, yeah, he's great. But he's also not the lead, and he's very small. He's just the smallest aspect of it. Um, Pacino is very good in The Irishman. Pesci is better. Pacino is certainly giving a great performance, and it is very detailed, and it's very much Pacino, but he gives performances like that all the time, whereas Pesci has been in and out of retirement over the past few years. He is great with Scorsese, and he has been good in other films, but outside of that, he's mostly just been this kind of like crazy home alone type thing gone fishing lethal weapons sort of thing he he hasn't been able to act subtly in this way in this capacity some would say casino i personally think raging bull i think raging bull is the last time he gave a performance this human and this specific and this simple and subtle and really proved like as a film actor i can affect you with by doing just a little bit and it, it really is a great performance for that reason. He hasn't been around for ages. He's working with the guy who always got the best out of him. 
it would be great if Pesci won. It would be really great, and it would be earned. But again, like, oh, and Anthony Hopkins isn't going to win. Like, two Popes. I, 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 I figured. Like, I, I, I don't think this is the year that they'll be like, Anthony Hopkins, you're never going to get another nom again. Like, he'll get another chance again, for sure. But um, I think it's honestly between Pesci and Pitt. Okay. Pitt will probably, right. I think. Who wins Best Supporting Actress? What are the names? Kathy oh, Bates. Probably, probably Kathy Dern Bates like... for, um, for, for the sake of it. Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. I forgot that movie came out. Um, yeah. Margot Robbie for Bombshell. Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit. She got double nominated. That's right. Florence Pugh for Little Women. And Laura Dern for Marriage Story. The the one who's been winning the most is Laura Dern, and Laura Dern has been consistently over the past five years pumping out amazing stuff, like killing it. Going going like from her show Enlightenment to Twin Peaks to the movie she just put out um, on HBO, as well as being on Big Little Lies for a little bit. Like she's killing it. Plus, the mother role in Little Women is like a it's a chewy thing, and. People seem to really like her. She's the best shot. Everyone else just hasn't really had the same kind of push or clout with them in their performances. But and, and they all sound really good. But um, I guess you could say the fight is against her and Scarlett. But it's most likely going to be Dern. Toy Story Four wins Best Animated Feature. We're in agreement. No. No, you don't. Okay, Klaus. Missing Link. Toy Story Four. How did you Dragon Three? And I lost my body. Which of those do you think you're think you're gonna win? I honestly have a very strong hope, and I th- I honestly think Missing Link might win. My heart's with How to Train Your Dragon Three, but of course uh, it is. And Hard to Train Your Dragon. Like a Dragon bath. I mean, the three those are the three bets. I would say that I've seen. I lost. I've seen. I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen about a half an hour of I Lost My Body, and it's beautiful. And honestly, I think it's the one that should win. I think oh, it's. it's I like. Those. Well, it, it's the Roma of the animated movies, but it's also the biggest outlier. Like the fact that they gave the nomination to it is the thing that I think is enough for the Academy. They're like, we wouldn't, because like we all said it, we're like, it's just going to be chalk filled with Disney films. But no, there's only one, and then there's a large variety of everything else. So you have like Klaus, like there's a variety in the animated films. So I honestly think it's a good competition here. So with that said. How to, like I lost my body is the most passionate. It's the most interesting. It has something to say, but it's not going to win. It's it's the arty one. It's the Roma one. Toy Story Four is very good. It's better than people thought it would ever be. And How to Train Your Dragon is an awesome conclusion. But they're going to keep making films of that quality for some time. Like we're probably not done with Toy Story. I think they're going to go back. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. And How to Train Your Dragon could go back. But I think that's just going to go on to be like a Planet of the Apes trilogy type thing that people will go back years from now and say that that thing was solid. It came, it went, it was perfect. Maybe some few Netflix and Nickelodeon shows, but whatever. It, it did not overstay its welcome, and it arcs very well. But Missing Link, I, I got to be honest, man. After three movies from this company, they need. I think it's their time to win. Like it's it's been slowly God, growing. It should have been last time with Kubo. Oh man, that's I like Ku- me. I like Kubo, but Kubo is such a it's such a hero's journey movie and that allows for a lot of the aesthetic and visuals to ride the way they do. And 
Yeah, like I do like the whole parents are animals thing aspect of it and the way that they carry the journey. But the missing link is so just fun. It's just a fun little movie. And when you compare it to the other ones, I think this is the year something like that can stand out, especially when the Academy was like, we're not going to do a bunch of Disney movies. That's just my hope, though. But I think it's against those three. Best original score. I've been listening a lot to Motherless Brooklyn, and I think it's really good. It's my kind it's of not jam. Nominated. It's not? It wasn't? It was just Golden Globe? Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, John Williams, 1917, Thomas Newman, Joker, Hilder, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name, um, Little Women, Alexander Desplat, uh, and Marriage Story, Randy Newman. R- Randy Newman? Yeah. Okay. All right. Probably Joker. Probably Joker. Why did Rice is... That's John Williams. I'd have to watch that movie again to see how the music carries it. It It really... I, I didn't think it did. It, it must, because a lot of that... There are huge chunks of that movie where there's, like, no dialogue because the scenes are just trying to tell you as much... As, like, when Kylo goes from killing people in the forest to getting his mask made, no one says a word outside of the Emperor. So there's got to be music there that would just... I... Us at the time. My personal opinion, I was I didn't respond strongly to the the I didn't respond strongly to the uh music for President Skywalker. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um we will get to that. Uh, uh, Skywalker? Joker probably Yeah, probably. Alright. Alright. Alex, you ready? Uh... Who is best director? Uh, not Phillips. Listen. Possibly not. Not Bong Joon Ho. He won't. He'll win foreign, but I don't think he'll win director. Although he, people Real really quick. like it. Real uh-huh. quick, I'm not going to yeah. sleep on Slam on Sam Mendes. 1917 is that good. I'm not. Sleeping. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's not in the running. I'm saying the three people up for possibilities are him, Scorsese, and Tarantino. Well, I could see that doesn't belong. <laughs> I I could see them giving it to Sam Mendes for direction. Because 1917 is basically a director's movie. I could see them giving Tarantino best picture. And um, Scorsese, uh, I don't know if Scorsese, I don't know what Scorsese. He might get left out. Best visual effects? Possibly. He's nominated for that. uh, The movie is, yeah, the movie's got to get something, I would think. I don't think it's either going to get. No, it's like it's The Lion King. Yeah, but it's about what is a, what is more effective. What True, because like the they they made wonderful groundbreaking technology to tell a story none none of us cared about, whereas the Irishman they used it to tell a story that uh, surprisingly a lot of people seem to enjoy. Um, Todd Phillips does not belong here. He doesn't. I, they should have given it to some woman. I understand that like. The other guys have clout in Hollywood and that the movies are that good. I understand the argument of merit. I don't necessarily think that the, all these votes are for merit, but I think it's such a really strong year. I, if I if I had my choice, I would have left Scorsese out and just let him really enjoy. I, yeah, because like he's got a lot of Scorsese out of this. Well, like it, it, I think Bong Jung Ho deserves it. I think Tarantino deserves it. I think um, Sam Mendes deserves it. And when I look at the other two, Phillips doesn't. 
and Scorsese earns deserves it more than him, considering Joker is just a Scorsese ripoff. But Scorsese's been nominated a lot. He's made a lot of movies. He obviously didn't make this one for like anyone else but himself. He's been trying to make this movie for years. And yeah, it would be great if they gave him something, but he's not done. He's still got life in him. He's going to keep making movies. And they need, I, I honestly think it, it, they need to look for opportunities to give female directors chances, just chances. Like, it, I, I don't understand why they aren't just looking at the opportunity and saying, Greta Gerwig for her second film makes Little Women. And if it is that good, if it is that impressive, why not? It's Little Women. Like, it's a more powerful story than the Joker, bar none. Like, it, there's way more elements to it, way more interesting characters. It, it's just a better drama overall. There's no way someone's going to look at me and say the story of Little Women is less compelling than the Joker. Like, there's no way. I can't agree with that. Any telling of Little Women. And yeah, the 1994 one's really good, and then some people say the better one, but like... I, I, I just doubt that is the case. And then when it comes to Scorsese and the Irishman, again, he's been around forever. He's been nominated a lot. He made this for himself, obviously. Why not give it to the woman who made The Farewell? Why not give it to the woman um, who made Booksmart? Why not give it to somebody who deserves oh, a chance to Booksmart be Booksmart came out this year, didn't it? Exactly. Good God. That thing got a ton of buzz. And it didn't exactly. get nominated. There are so many opportunities that they could have just been like, screw it. We know who's probably going to win. And we they know where the fight is. better fix that. <laughs> they, they, that's they, a problem. They, this is a more glaring they, issue than last year. And last year was bad. Dude, that's the thing. Like, I, I, like a lot of the, they did open the voting so that there's 8,000 people and there's more variety and stuff like that. However, it's still a, it's still a patriarchy in the business. It's okay. like, it's just the way it is. Like it, we've been talking about this for so long. The fact that it's getting this loud, it reminds me a lot of like police shootings and stuff. Oh, like they just, okay. we were talking about them so much because we were like, Oh, they're happening so often. It's like, no, the news was just reporting on them. And they always happen that often. Like okay. we're talking about it loudly because now it's just talked about more in the news. Like, the, the results have to happen from the academy, and we've been talking about this forever. The conversation is getting louder, and that's the thing that makes them change. The, dark, the, the conversation with the Dark Knight is the reason we got 10 spots as possibilities for Best Picture. And like over time, that happens. Something occurs, and they're like, oh, we, okay, we get it, guys. We got to change. But they'll take their time, their sweet-ass time. Okay. Best Original Screenplay. Pudinams? Uh Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Han Jin Won and Bong Joon Ho for Parasite, Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Man, that makes me happy. Christy Wilson Cairns and Sam Mendes for 1917. Um, I think I don't the- even care if he doesn't win. I'm so happy Ryan Johnson got nominated. I don't even care. That just makes me happy. <laughs> Dude, he's gonna get more nominations. He's gonna he's gonna be an Academy favorite, I think. Like unless he, something happens to his career or him, I think we're gonna be seeing a lot from him years down the line. Um, uh, I think the fight is probably between Marriage Story, Tarantino, and Parasite. Um, Tarantino has a very good shot for winning. His scripts have won often, 
And I, they love L.A. movies, so if they're not going to give it to the movie, giving it to the script would make a lot of sense. However, um, there's been talk about Parasite winning outside of foreign, and the script would be the probably the best opportunity for that. Okay. I, th- I think... Oh, my heart is with Ryan Johnson. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I'm so happy no, for the guy. He got nominated, too. But I'm also happy that he got nominated and the movie did so well and Star Wars didn't. Like, it's just... Comparatively. 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 It just shows that, like, when people are like, Last Jedi is a bad movie and he's a bad director. It's like, no. He's a celebrated director who makes really great movies and it's not even just on a critic level. It's a populist level. So, at the very least, maybe you should watch Last Jedi more than the way you're already watching it. I don't think 1917 should be on here. It's a really simple story. Dialogue's written so well, though, I don't know how much that could be improvised. A lot of it, apparently, must have been. Um... I think it's more so about when you read the script, the camera uh, movements and directions are there. Okay. So, like, all of that had to be planned out from a script level, is what they're saying. That would okay. be impressive, yeah. I don't know. I think I think Tarantino wins. Tarantino has won for script, for sure. Um, it would be nice if they gave it to Parasite outside of foreign, because Parasite has so many other nominations. Of course, they didn't give any acting, because, like... Americans aren't going to see past the subtitles right now. They can't just like put two and two together. They can't fully look at her performance and read subtitles at the same time yet. It's just, it just hasn't happened. But I, if they're go- if they're not going to give him director, I don't think they're not going to give Parasite Best Picture. They're going to give it foreign, and I would be nice if they got something else. So this would be their other option. Um, Who else are they going to give the foreign? That's the thing. Uh, but that's what they did with Roma. That, but that's the thing. Like, if the movie is that good. Why the hell is it in an American race in the first place? Why is it in two categories? Why is it in separate categories instead of best picture? They're basically saying it is the best picture of the year without actually saying it. That was the thing about Roma. Like, we all knew it. We all watched it. It was the best picture of the year. But what is it? It's so good. It's in an American race. So that's usually the thing where I'm like, oh, damn. It was the same thing with uh, Amour. Like, uh, Michael Haneke, like it, like people were so shocked at how good it was. It was in both categories, and it made it to the U.S. And then people were making the argument, like, despite it being a very sad movie about a like an old couple slowly letting one of them die, it it's and it being so sad and like depressing. It also people were like, yeah, the best movie. It's like the best movie. It made it all the way here, and we all fucking love it. So, what are you? Who won do? last year? Best um, picture last year. I forgot what it was already. It speaks volumes. Uh, it was Green Book, wasn't it? Green Book. I was, it was Green something. <laughs> that was funny. All right. Best adapted screenplay. Was Green Book last year? I think Green Book was last year. It was. Spike Lee's face will never be forgotten. All right. Best adapted screenplay. Possibly Little Women. I don't know. Remember it's the other got one? to, right? Well, what are the other ones? Um, Taika Waititi, Jojo Rabbit, um, Stephen Zalian, um, The Irishman. Anthony no. McCartan, The Two Popes, Todd Phillips, and Scott Silver for Joker. God, no. Wow, one of those doesn't belong. I mean, Little Women is the, is the standard one. Uh, 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, Joker, Joker got way too many award nominations. I'm sorry, it did. It, has, it got way it, too it many. Has, it has the most. You gotta be kidding me! It it it, it is one above um, Irishman in Hollywood. They have ten, and that and Joker has eleven. <sighs> Sometimes I don't even want to right. this anymore. I'm done. I well, dude, like for like, I don't think it's gonna win Best Picture, and I don't think it's gonna win Best Director. If it wins either one of those, that's when people are gonna be like, "Fuck you!" And it's not like the first year people been like, "Fuck you, Academy." That, <laughs> I, but like, it it's, it seems to me like if they want like this for them to do that, it would say that the Academy is going fine. You guys want us to celebrate comic book movies? Here you go. We found one we liked. Here you go. But it's just not the right one when there's at least three other movies that are better. Like fully, Irishman, Hollywood, and Parasite are all better, not to mention everything else that's up. Like Little Women would probably be the fourth one. And with that being said, like they're just more interesting, better films. Just give the performance to Phoenix and let the nominations speak for themselves for Todd Phillips. Like Todd Phillips made The Hangover. He made old school. This guy's made nothing but raunchy comedies, and he's just now in the Oscar discussion? Like, that's amazing in and of itself. Let's celebrate the fact that he made, like, the the, I think I, I think it outdid Endgame, right? Didn't, isn't the isn't it the most profitable uh, in a In a certain what? context, I think it is, but I don't think it's the one that we're talking here. No, I, I, I mean, it made a lot of it made, it a, made lot of, a lot of money. It was a success. Um, basically, I could see them doing it spitefully, saying, "Hey, look, we finally gave a uh, found a um, comic book movie we liked." But honestly, Hollywood and Irishman are too tempting, I think, for them to not be like Scorsese's Prestige and uh, Tarantino hasn't won Best Picture yet. So those discussions might just be more interesting for them. Whereas Parasite is just obviously the one that people are going to look back years later and be like, nope, that had its finger on the pulse properly. Okay. Okay. Two more categories, then we're going to move on. Um, best Cinematography. Deacons. Deacons. I think Deacons, for sure. I, for me, I'm not going to sleep on The Lighthouse, though. Dude, The Lighthouse is the... That's the thing I thought from the very beginning. I was like, if The, if the Lighthouse gets anything, it would be cinematography. Black and white movies, when they nail it, they nail it. 1917 looked so good. Yeah, that's a strong race, for sure. Um, all right, last one, then we're going to... Let me just make sure there's not... Yeah, okay. Best visual effects. Well, yeah, we. I mean, Irishman has... The, Irishman, I think, will probably win. It's it's the closer to first man kind of decision. Like they did There last... will be a riot. No. But... No, there yes. was. Come on, against Lion King, dude. People okay. will okay. Listen, people say who gives a shit about Lion King? No one gives a shit about the time and the effort that went into making that movie. They don't. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. No one has. The, I, no one has talked to me about that movie in two months. People will be mad about. People will be mad that Endgame didn't want didn't win. Much I mean, less Lion King. Look, I think that the real conversation... I think it's a very tight race, because Skywalker is not bad-looking. Uh, Endgame... Uh, I'm not Endgame. so sure about that. Dude, dude, take the content away from Star Wars and... Like, no, 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 no. I'm, I am. I am. I totally am. 
I think that's a great looking movie CGI wise. Like there's no moment in that movie where I'm like, that looks stupid or that doesn't look like I'm looking at a Star Wars movie. And Endgame has those moments. And also there are huge chunks of Endgame where they're just, you know, at a cabin or they're standing in that room where like Hulk is the one that's like the most CGI. And it's like, I get that you have to ask yourself which one is utilized best for its story. Dude, Irishman. Irishman, all of that is used to, to watch the entire scope of a person's life and make them all the way up to when they're like a young man to an old man and it's people we've seen for years and the performances are still great through that process in the first place. And honestly, there's only about three or four moments where I'm like, that looks so bad that it's distracting. And it's not often in a three-hour movie. So that's pretty impressive to me. Outside of that, uh, yeah, no, Lion King is a push in technology. Like, it's impressive what they did. And it will be utilized better, and people will, like, grow from it. Like, I'm not saying that it's, like, amazing. But the thing is, no one gives a shit about that movie. And everyone from day one was like, why are you using this groundbreaking technology to tell this story this way? Like, why? Okay. It would... <laughs> This is where we dis- I guess I guess this is where we disagree. For me, Go ahead. I'm leaning towards it's either Lion King or Endgame. No, dude, I- Irishman is, the, is has a real. I'm not saying Irishman. I understand. Is the- I understand oh, the Irishman. Strong. Irishman is in that race. It is. It is I know. The, not the outlier here. And as for Lion King, it's like painting a house with a paintbrush. Like it's like asking. It's like asking Da Vinci to just play to just paint my house with a paintbrush. Like. Don't put any design on it. Paint it. And he's going to be as detailed as you possibly can, but it's just a house. Like, they used a paintbrush on the Lion King. We didn't need that. So, like, I don't think they care. They may give it to it on a technical level, but that's not what the Oscars is about. It's like, how did you use your technical stuff to tell your story effectively? Like, that's, that's the point that I've learned from First Man. That's the point I've learned from everything else. There's some awards that they actually uh... get from that perspective. So that's what that's why I think. But like Endgame, outside of it just being a spectacle, sure. When when was the last time they gave it to a an, a um, comic book movie for the sheer fact that it's a comic book movie? That's more interesting to me. When was the last time they ever gave it to one of those? Oh man, I want. Uh, I mean, um, we it up, but I don't think they gave it to Age of Ultron or Infinity War. I don't even think they gave it to the first Avengers. Well, no, they didn't give it to Infinity War. They gave it to First Man. My point is ever, like, these movies have been around for 20 years. When have they ever looked at one of them as they've gotten to the point of Endgame? Infinity War was was made a year before then, and Age of Ultron was made before then. Like, out of all these, like, movies, when have they ever given it to special effects? I know Doctor Strange got nominated. I know there's a lot of Marvel movies that have. Hell, there have been DC movies that have. There have been Zack Snyder DC movies that have, and they haven't won, just off of technique alone. So, like, when have they ever done it? When's the, where's the precedent set for us to be, like, end games in the race? All right. Let's see here. I'm actually going to do the research. I'm actually researching Yeah, me too. This. Like, I am interested. Like, because if it's happened more than, like, three times, I think you have a... a I think you have something here. but if In the left, last four years, it hasn't happened. There you now. go. Uh, no, no, no. And as of yet. As of yet. Because I'm counting 2020. In the last three years, it hasn't happened. But if you want to say ever. 
I would say the last four years is important because that's like that's definitely more than ten Marvel movies in the last four years, or at least ten. They put oh. out at least more Marvel movies a year. Not even counting the oh my gosh, hang on, history of the award. Uh, not, uh, nah, not rule. You can go to rules. Uh, effects awards. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go to... Okay, what year do we think I should go to? 2000. No. No, 2010 is a good bet because that's 10 years ago and that's two years after Iron Man came out. Let me just make sure. Ooh, Independence Day 1, 1996. That's pretty funny. Um, Hell yeah. It went up against Dragonheart and Twister. Dang, it beat Twister. Twister, yeah. Uh, But again, it's what's used more effectively. Like, I, like Twister's great, but it's just like a feel good. Like you forget that movie even happened the moment you leave the theater, despite it being a good time. Dragonheart may have good special effects, but the story is super boring. And okay. after you're looking at a fake dragon, a comic book movie in the history of ever, in the history of this award, has won best visual effects, and that's Spider Man Two. Just letting you know. But I'm not going- only that. Like, Spider-Man 2 is amazing. All right, 2010. 2010s. Um, 2010, Inception won. Uh, yep. 2011, Hugo won. Yeah. 2012, Life of Pi. 2013, Gravity. 2014, Interstellar. Nope, nope, you're right. There has not no been precedent. a comic movie to have won in, two, in the last 10 years. The last Every one would be Spider-Man one 2. They're all about how the how it's used to tell the story more well, than Well shoot. There goes Probably. that. Probably Irishman. I gotta get Dude, yeah. Endgame is I, got, I gotta pony up to Matt five bucks. Dude Oh that's I, I'm yeah. kidding. Sorry, I'm kidding. you shouldn't have done I'm that. Kidding. Wait, I'm kidding. really? I'm kidding. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Do you honestly think that Matt would think that Irishman would best visual effects? No, I thought he was gonna. I thought that that was that Endgame just plain wouldn't. No. Um, but also, I just in my head jokingly was thinking like Matt's just like standing out your window days after he's like, "Where's my five dollars?" <laughs> so, just I don't know. That's just my gut. Okay, so here's my thing. My heart either goes out to Lion King and Endgame. Just, I have this gut feeling it's going to come down to one of those two, but my head, you're, you're, you're talking me off a cliff here. It's like... Well, I would say I think no, you have a better argument with Lion King than you do Endgame is all I'm saying. Lion King and Irishman, I think, is the real fight here. There's just been no precedent set. They just don't like comic book movies. But man. to they don't say like that no one movie. would get mad, that's... No one cares. Because they haven't gotten bad sense. When have they ever? When has there ever been a riot for any other comic book movie ever? Not for a comic book movie, but just for a popular film in general. Is what I'm They're saying. Ugly. No, they don't care. For visual effects, no, they don't care. Did they not? People and, not complain about First Man over Infinity War? Did people yes, not complain? Yes, and maybe they'll learn their lesson. But that's one year, dude, and there wasn't a riot. Now, do I think that people? Do I think that it's worthy of a discussion if Endgame was in Best Picture? And people would be freaking out. Yeah, absolutely. But like, yeah, after last year, there may be some people getting upset. But before then, not really. But honestly, I think it's because most people didn't see First Man. I saw it. 
And to be honest, if you ask the question, what movie utilizes their special effects better, I can see why they picked First Man. I wouldn't have picked First Man, but I see why they picked it. It's just the precedent. It's when you look at, like, Inception. Inception has a lot of great special effects, but, like, they're not everywhere in the movie. It's not a special effects-laden movie. It's actually more people standing in buildings or skiing down mountains or being in locations more than anything else. So if you want to win best picture, you want to, no, not best picture. You want to win best uh, visual effects, either A, have Ryan Gosling in it. <laughs> no, because then 2014 Blade Runner would have won. It did win. For, for best special effects? Yeah, didn't it? it? Is it on that list? It was on that list. Well, there you go. Ryan right. Gosling. It's not gonna... Blade Runner 2049. There it is, right there. I always wondered why I remember the Titans won for best special effects. God damn. He won back to back. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Stupid so Love you... won for special effects? No. <laughs> so, I Gosling. if you want to win best visual effects, don't be a remake, don't be a comic book movie, but have Ryan Gosling in it. Mm-hmm. You have to fulfill one of those three requirements. Anyway, that's it for Oscars. We'll talk more about it as we get closer to February 9th, after the Super Bowl. Um, okay. Last piece of news. Let me talk about the movie. Oh, man. Zach yeah, will be lighting me I up. I love Hand Tossed. I love Deep Dish. I love Pizza News. Favorite section. Nice. Um, did you read... A rundown of the Trevorrow script. Yeah, I did. Oh my god! There is no way he made that up. There is no way. Right? The man <laughs> we have established on this show that the man is a maniac, right? Well, I mean, I again borderline I think, imbecile. I, I I think he he's not borderline imbecile because safety not guaranteed is a good script. Um oh, come on, he has a big Dude, you stuff. haven't even seen it. Uh I I I think Trevorrow, I, I said this to Zach and I think I sent it to you too. There are directors out there that are like, that are just swingers of the pendulum. They can, they are capable of producing great to good and okay to what the fuck are you doing? A good example, M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan is all over the spectrum. He has made Oscar winning best picture movies that, that push their genres. He has made absolute like garbage, unwatchable garbage. He's also made pretty interesting stuff and also just great stuff. He just made good, solid, okay stuff. Um, Signs is pretty damn solid. It may be stupid, but it's a good-ass time. But I think a better example for what we're talking about with Trevorrow is Barry Sonnenfeld. Barry Sonnenfeld has made, like, amazing movies. He's made blockbuster pictures, but he's also made absolute insane, batshit, crazy ideas. Possible. He made toys. He made Nine Lives. He made Wild Wild West. We also made Men in Black and Rain Man. Like, the guy's capable of good stuff. So I look at Trevor and I'm like, he's a good director. But he has, but sometimes he just commits to an idea of just insanity. It's like, it's like smart, it's, it's like um, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is an incredibly interesting guy, especially if, like a Robert Downey Jr. one. He's an interesting guy, but like, he's an eccentric. So every now and then he'll do an idea and people will look at him and be like, why would you ever do that? That's it. Doesn't mean it will succeed. That's how I feel about Trevor. Like, Book of Henry is not a bad-looking movie, 
and there are good performances in there, but I would never make that movie. And there's a lot of reasons why nobody ever would, but he didn't write that. He just saw it and said, I can make that. I want to make that. And everyone around him was probably like, that's a weird movie. And he's like, yeah, but you know, I like weird movies. And they were like, okay, take the chance. And it's just, sometimes he puts faith in bad ideas, but he's not terrible at the very least. This proves that when you don't when like there's a difference, the difference between him and Chris Terrio and JJ was that he wasn't looking at Last Jedi from a negative perspective. He wasn't looking at it from the toxic fan perspective. He was looking at it from like, OK, how can I move this movie along? Because Boom, like Lost World, go. for That's example, it. like Lost World, for ex- like uh, Fallen Kingdom, for example, is a batshit insane movie. But it's still like to a certain extent carries on a little bit from the last one, like. Although those are different characters from Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt, the idea of them going there and saving them from a volcano blowing up and taking them off the island, that's actually kind of interesting. Like, that could have been interesting. Uh, And then, like, the crazy stuff that happens later, the whole intent is to get the dinosaurs out in America, which we all saw happening. We all saw that the Lost Worlds would be planet Earth. And sure, how they got there was, like, crazy batshit bananas. But it still was something he knew was the the proper evolution of the story. We all felt it was going that way. And he looked at Last Jedi and he was like, okay, I see the evolution of where this is supposed to go. JJ was like, I see the evolution, but I didn't like the last one. So I'm just going to cut that off and I'm going to put lizards in this dinosaur and I'm going to Jurassic Park this movie. Also, hang on. Let me pull this up because this is pretty like remarkable to me. Um, like I am like like not even that it's a better idea than what we actually got it's that it's a better idea than I expected from him honestly like that is seriously that's the that's the crazy thing like I would have been like the Trevor script is worse isn't it we all know we all like it had to have been right, but like yeah. But now, now it just makes sense when he's like, "I had a clash of opinion, and I didn't want to do what they did." No, now it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so the script date is twelve sixteen, twenty sixteen. So this was the yeah, day. This was the day Rogue One came out, and a little bit before Carrie Fisher died, right? I believe or a after. week before she died. Yeah. Okay, it was titled "Duel of the Fates," which I do like. I do like that. It does. It does sound really good. Anyway, this is a first draft, by yeah. the way. Just letting but, you guys uh, like. And plus, yeah, even the man is insane. Draft, that's the whole point. It just kind that's of shows that from a like a blueprint level that Rise of Skywalker is bad. Like it's from the bones. So when you see this as first draft and it's like just the bare bones of a story, you're like. Oh my god, these are better launching points by far. Um but it is a first draft and the man can be quite insane. But um this was the initial idea that he and Derek Connolly had come up with. And reading this just kind of puts in now it makes me really question Kathleen Kennedy. I know she can get a movie made, but can she carry a story? You know I'm, I'm honestly, I, I think this is, I mean, for her to pick 
Chris Terrio is the thing that makes me go, what were you thinking, Kennedy? Um, that's the thing that, that makes me That guy's insane, too. He just lost it after yeah. his Argo. Yeah, those last two. Yeah, those last two DC movies are so awful that it's like, why would you get that guy? But maybe I think the the real bad guy here is Abrams. I I mean I think he talked them into the idea when I, I lately I was listening to a podcast that Tarantino was doing about the movie Unstoppable. Um, it's just this forgettable Tony Scott movie with Chris Pine and Denzel Washington about a train that won't stop. Yes, um, yes, I have seen. Yeah, this. No. It's a very good movie. It's a solid movie. But the thing is, Tarantino loves Tony Scott. So for him, he like worships the movies he makes. And he was making this really just impassioned speech about Chris Pine and how much he loves him and talking about Star Trek and all the things he loved about it and how he wants to make the Star Trek movie and all that stuff. But I, as he was talking about it, it made me start to realize how much like J.J. Abrams like made Star Trek then kind of made the second one without any real regard about the story he was telling and then just sort of left them. And the third one like ambled along for a while and then came out and it's like better than the second one as a story for sure. And better Star Trek movie by far. And um, then uh, Anton Yelton died. So that didn't help him, but they're, they're like floating in the ether right now. Not anything at all because Abrams gave him a great launching point, but he didn't really take him anywhere. And I'm starting to realize that's what he did with Star Wars. He launched him somewhere. Some guy did it, and he came back and was just like, no, 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 no. This is the way it's supposed to be. And it did, It wasn't good. And okay. he's sort of like left him by the wayside. And I, I think the problem is he sold these ideas to Kathleen Kennedy. And then Kathleen Kennedy wanted to do the um, trusting different storytellers for different stories. And the lack of vision coming from him didn't help like if anybody else had come in and started something i think we would have had a better opportunity to um uh, accept change but because jj didn't offer anything more than a starting point and then came in and just kind of like didn't end it well it, it really kind of ruined things i think he's the bad guy here for sure kathleen kennedy made some bad decisions but anyone could and anyone is capable of yeah. it but in terms of this saga like I think it's Abrams. Okay. So. All right. So. Okay. So I'm not. Okay. So yeah, I'm not gonna break this down. So anyway, like, the Cliff Notes. Um. They they hijack a star destroyer. Which is what I've always wanted to see. Mm. Um, just hijacking a Star Destroyer. Um, but I've wanted to do it in a video game. But alas, we don't have that much freedom yet. Um, it's a lot of mechanics, but that would be pretty gnarly. Yeah, it would be pretty. It'd be pretty. It'd be pretty awesome. I just want to. I've always wanted to like, like if I had unlimited money and unlimited time, I would create a way. That a player can steal a Star Destroyer and kamikaze it into the map. <laughs> that would be great. like a whole. You want to do a hold maneuver? Yeah, I want to a hold maneuver without the light speed and just watch it. Just watch everything go. Just slowly ram into a ship, and they're like, you know, we could use light speed to get out of here. Get out of here! <laughs> Captain, he's like, no, there, there, there. I feel like you want to die, sir. No. <laughs> um 
So, okay, I've, I've read it. I've read it. I've read it. So, Kylo Ren is gone. I'm, I mean, Ben Solo is gone. Like, gone, gone, gone. Um, yeah, he's the, he's the villain. He does go to Vader's castle on Mustafar, and that is clearly laid out. Um, this time is that he just he goes to Mustafar and it's just here and then he's gone. Um, the Emperor is not in this movie, at least not to the extent that he is. He's uh, like a like a ghosty thingy, ghosty thingy, which I'm fine with. Um, makes more sense. Ray is a nobody, but Kylo Ren killed her parents, which is which would explain how he would recognize. The two were accompanied by a girl, and then he grabs the guy's throat. What girl? That would explain that. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good idea. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Never would have guessed it, honestly. Never would have guessed. I mean, I it's like logistic. that would make him young, though. He would have to be at a young age to do that, though. Um. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, when did he kill him? Is the other thing. Like, he couldn't yeah. kill. He couldn't have him at that young of an age unless he already was doing something bad as a Jedi or something like that. But, like, if they always got rid of her and he just, like, killed their, her parents for whatever reason, he just knows who her parents are. Like, I, I, it, 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 I think you could figure out how to do that a lot better than, like, just giving up and saying she's a Palpatine. I, I don't know necessarily how to do that, but I do think, like... It, at the very least, it, it does something that the films that none of the films did, which is go to the backstory of Kylo Ren. The only one that actually did it was Jedi. All the other films were too afraid to. Yeah. Um, man, what else? With the, what are the uh, what are the what are the cliff notes? Were there? Am I missing anything? Before I know, I know the last bit. Um, where Ray. The movie is them trying to get the resistance together. Yes, yes. That's um, like again, blueprint, bare bones levels. Just simple, just simple, great. Like the very, the very thing about the last movie is that that last ditch effort for Luke Skywalker is supposed to be the thing that kids talk about at a casino planet all the way across the galaxy. The fact that nobody did jack shit in Skywalker until Lando shows up is it just. Oh, it's just like no, 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 the no. thing is there. Build the resistance. It's a whole movie about building the resistance. Rose, first off, Rose Tico has a better has a bigger role in this movie and it makes more sense. Doing um, just that, yeah. Just from that perspective. Also also I can't help but think that Trevor would have found a way to smear like some weird alien poop onto Ray in some weird sensual way. Like, <laughs> like they're like, we need to get away from these stormtroopers, and she's like, oh no, spare this poop on yourself. And they're like, what? And she's like, but like, do it in front of them. We seduce him, and you're like, but do you gotta use poop? Why do we have to seduce him? That one might be gay. You don't know. Smear the poop on you. Yes. This is this is my Daisy Ridley impression. Yes. No, it's you, George Mackay impression. That's what it is. Excuse me. Let me get this poop out my cleavage. Um, I honestly think that Trevor probably would have written a good female character because, like, 
honestly, the only bad female character I've seen him write was for um, uh, Jurassic World. I mean, I just, I honestly, she's the lead of that movie, which is great, but it's not a great character because the movie's dumb in a lot of ways. However, Audrey Plaza in Safety Not Guaranteed is very good, and I also think that Naomi Watts's character and performance in uh, Book of Henry is great. So I do think he is capable of getting good performances out of women and giving them opportunities for it. So it would have been interesting to see what he could have gotten out of Ray. Because Ray, the thing is, Daisy really isn't doing anything bad, but her story is the exact same conflict that she has in the last one. So it would have been nice to see her do something different. Right. Um, Ray and Kylo Ren. Also, we would have gotten Luke hunting Kylo Ren on Mustafar. Yeah. Um, we would have gotten Ray and Kylo duking it out on the Mortis monolith. Oh my god, I was almost right. There was a version of this movie where I was right. Mm-hmm. It's almost like everyone saw the prop- the like some of the proper evolution of the story and how it should go, and the one person who made it defiantly didn't do it. Um, <laughs> no, about the Mortis monolith part. This is that part. Oh man, I was that when I read that, I'm like, I was almost right. There was a version of this movie where I was right. Um, it ends with Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren dies, of course. Of course. Um, but as Kylo Ren, not Ben. Uh, because ah, Ben Solo is extinguished. He's the villain. Um, Finn and Rose gather up a bunch of Force-sensitive kids for Ray to train. And yes, Alex, your boy, Broom Boy, was one of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not, like, huge pro let's get a Broom Boy movie going. I just really <laughs> like- I, I'm not like I'm not like let's let's have uh, Ryan Johnson's trilogy be about Broom Boy. Although now I do, I wish he does just to piss off people. Yes, so like, I wanted to do every wrong thing in the book. Now, no, I, I want I him want, to violate scripture on a structural level. I want him to make like three, two movies that are just amazing. Star and people, Wars scripture, like yes, yeah, so like Star Wars movies that are really amazing and people love. And then I wish at the very end of the third movie that people also love at the very end. Someone's like, "What? Where'd you come from?" And he's like, "Well, I used to sweep at this place for animals rice. They called me Brim Boy." And then everyone'd be like, "God damn it! I like the Brim Boy." <laughs> no, he didn't even say that. He would legitimate. It would legitimately be him explaining why his nickname was Brim Boy. He would take up the mantle of Brim Boy. Um, then he puts and then he puts a mask on and a broom shows up in the sky. I don't know, but the whole point is like he makes three movies and then at the very end he's like, "Yeah, this was this character you never wanted movies about, and now you love all three of them. You pieces of shit." But no, like I also love the idea of like the whole point. The whole point of the first movie is that we're back to square one with Force Awakens. There's a big group again. Like Luke Skywalker's gone. We're back to square one. And in the second movie, they tear it all down. They tear down all your expectations, but they they don't get rid of the one thing that the whole point of that movie is, which is that Skywalker comes back and says, we're not done. 
This is the spark that will light the fire of the resistance and all that crap. The next movie should have been them building the resistance. It should have been her building a new idea of how to teach people with the force that was about being a Jedi, but harnessing this thing that's bigger than you. Don't make a religion out of it. Make it something more Buddhist. That's the, like the pieces were there and they still didn't do it. Like, like, oh God, it was so the fact that Trevor O saw that the fact that Trevor was like, okay, these like, that's the thing. Like we need to, we need to rebuild the resistance and we, the Jedi are gone. So, but this force isn't so raise so, the idea of what the force can be. Like, those are the two things you need to do. The hardest thing there is how is Kylo still the villain? And the, honestly, if the whole point is you're building resistance and Ray is the person who's going to be building this new idea of what the Force can do and be for people, Kylo needs to stand up and be like, no, the Force is for the rich. The Force is for the people who are born with it. The Force is for people like me. And he is not the representation of the Skywalkers. He has soured the representation of the Skywalkers. It would have made more sense if she did all of this and then at the very end was like, I'm going to call myself a Skywalker. Why not? Because she is now the new idea of what that can be after it's been soiled so much from Kylo. Like, these pieces were there. And Vader. To a sense. Because nobody really knows he was redeemed. True. Um, so... <clears throat> I'm sure Luke told people. He really didn't, actually. How do we um, know? We got to see him doing cool and stuff. No, that uh, in what the two the after whatever books. No, um, there's another book called um, Bloodline. It follows Leia. It's six years before um, uh, the Force Awakens. It's more of a, like a political thriller. Um, think Zero Dark Thirty, but with Leia and it's Star Wars. Um, Got it. Okay, um, but so the movie. Not the movie, the book. Sorry, the book. Um, the the whole crux of the book is that the reason she's not involved in politics anymore is because A, she kind of just wanted out anyway, and B, somebody got a hold of the information that she is the daughter of Darth Vader, and that got everybody pissed. Everybody just okay, disowned well, here, her. So I mean, you could not have told anybody. Yes, dude, Luke totally could have told people, but I guarantee you that wouldn't have changed everyone's mind. I, let me put it this way. If, uh, if Osama bin Laden had still committed 9-11 and at the very end, like, he turned himself in and probably turned in a few other people, I guarantee there's still going to be people walking around being like, but he still committed 9-11. He still did some, like, massive, horrific, horrendous things. You know, now like, that I think about it, she probably did try to make the argument. Exactly. Like, she, that's the thing. Like, no one was there to see it true and people could walk away and go luke probably killed the emperor and people doesn't want to know that but like i guarantee you she believed him and they believed that the you could change the force because like the jedi are gone nobody believes the force is really a thing luke is like the only example of it left outside of like leia doing some training and he's the one that's got to go out there and make that argument there isn't really a lot to support him in the first place but luke isn't the kind of guy that would go out there and be like sitting in a bar and people are like that Darth Vader man what a piece of shit he never would have done nothing for me and he's gonna sit there and be like but yeah my dad was all right the end you can't say that unless he's like yeah. legitimately standing but up anyway. I think people just didn't care because you know Darth Vader murdered plant he blew up a planet Chris just one in no, the first movie alone yeah um 
Get some dirt. So, just to think that a guy like Trevor, who has pumped out, whose last three movies are like three stars or lower. Not horrifically directed movies, but certainly... certainly crazy ideas. ideas, Executed on such a weird level. Um, Bizarre and borderline unethical. But... (laughs) On the eyes. But um, for him... (laughs) For him to have come up with an idea to follow up The Last Jedi and to conclude this saga... He came up with a better idea to do it on the first go-round than the guy who started the trilogy in the first place. Again, this is the thing. How do you do that? How does that happen? It's super obvious. It's very obvious, don't you You have to try. No, this takes effort. That means nobody liked The Last Jedi. That takes effort on multiple levels. Not just J.J. There's no way. J.J.'s the boss. You do what the boss says. I guarantee there were people that were like, well, you know, we're kind of going against the last movie. And he's like, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. He still has to answer to Kathy. He still has to answer to Bob Iger. He convinced him. I think he convinced him. Uh. I think he walked in and was like, guys, guys. Your fans didn't like the last movie, right? And they were like, yeah, they're freaking out. And he's like, you took chances, right? And they were like, yeah, we actually challenged them. And he was like, and they they didn't like that, right? And they're like, they're yeah. problems. And he was like, I can fix it. I can fix this guys for you. And they're like, really? He's like, yeah, just give them what they want. And Disney was like, we just give them what they want. He's like, yeah, just give them what they want. They're like, what if it, you know, kind of represents toxic ideas they've been putting out there? He's like, they're Star Wars fans. Give them what they want. Like, that's what he walked in, and Disney was like, that's what we do. That's our job. Like, we give people what they want. That's the magical kingdom. What? It, what why didn't we think of that? Like, <laughs> and he came in and was like, and he just had this, there's a, there's a Simpsons episode uh, where a guy walks in and sells of the course, town. As there is. As, <laughs> yeah, as there is. There's a Simpsons episode where the town is like, they feel stagnant and they need money and they're looking for some change. And a guy comes in and totally conmans them a monorail. And the monorail, of course, becomes a problem later. Homer has to save people. But, like, the way he convinces them of the monorail, he, like, comes in and he's, like, a 1940s, like, he's got, like, a barbershop quartet jacket, a bow tie, and, like, a yeah. corn cop hat. And he's just like, hey, guys, I'm going to tell you about a monorail. Every time, every time, monorail. And he's, like, he does a whole song and dance and, like, convinces them all. And, like, even Lisa's like, this is a terrible idea. We shouldn't do this. And he was just like, I'm going to save your town. There we go. Like, that's, I just feel like J.J. Abrams came in and he just convinced them that he could fix it by There's... giving what they wanted. The most loudest, the loudest members of the audience what they wanted. There and is. There you go. And there is a Simpsons episode for everything. There, well, yeah, they've been around for oh, plus tw- 20 plus years and they're a situational comedy. So, yeah, they're going to represent a lot of situations. Um,. It really sucks because I really liked. I get, I guess, I get like, like, um, contrary to popular belief, contrary to popular belief, and just what people thought. I'm just like, I actually like Jaja Abrams, but just seeing the, the, it 
the last the rise of Skywalker just did not like when I think about no 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 okay yeah yeah when I think about the Force Awakens I'm like that was a really just fun like throwback you know yeah. it was a fun throwback soft reboot uh but an I exceptional go that example far. of both I think it's a good example of how he did both I think it's yeah. both and he okay. did it very well like I will give him that. Right. It's, it um, is both a sequel and a reboot. You don't have to have watched the others to have seen that movie. And it felt like it was made with like somewhat legit passion. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like it had a humanity behind it. The Last Jedi, just like I, the same thing. Yeah. I honestly thought JJ. I, I honestly think JJ Abrams was walking in, being like. I'm going to do my Star Wars movie and I'm going to set the pieces and then I'm going to put my hat on. I'm going to walk away and the universe is going to expand behind me. But he didn't realize that like the pieces he laid that if someone smarter than him came in and was like, I want to challenge this much smarter. This is only the beginning for Ryan Johnson. Really is. I just think he's a smarter. I just think he's more about theme than he is about anything else. Whereas Abrams is about entertainment in the moment. And that's that's the thing. Like he was like, I'm gonna set the pieces up, and then you guys play the game, and I'm gonna go away. And like Disney freaked out and brought him back. And he, I, I don't. The biggest thing here is that he actually disagreed with the Last Jedi, and it makes you realize that everything in the Force Awakens was really laid out for it to happen, but not challenge the audience. So when it actually was challenging in the Last Jedi, because someone saw how they could change it differently, he came back and did it himself. Like right. that's the thing: is it that he can't end things, or is that he legitimately didn't like the Last Jedi so much that he decided to make those decisions? And it really sounds—it sounds like the latter. Last point: it's kind of like a Monopoly game, where the guy just wins like all the cash. He's like he's yeah. winning like in the game. He's like he's winning all the guys. He's like okay, guys, I'm out. I've got pretty much the majority of everything. And then he just gives all the money away and then just walks out. And then, um, another guy. And then the guy who comes in is just like okay, I'm gonna do that. He starts like, or he does. He wins the monopoly. The guy, the first guy wins the monopoly way. You know what? That's a bad comparison. You know, let's just go on to Die Hard Three. No, you know what? Um, what? I got it. I got the comparison. I figured it out. He is Jeff Bridges in Iron Man. Imagine. Okay, I haven't seen Iron Man 1 in a while, so... Just imagine, you set up this entire thing so that something happens. In Force Awakens, it's that all these, like, she has a parentage, that, like, Snoke is a big deal, but it doesn't really answer them. He just sort of, like... In other words, Colin like in Trevor and, had him kill her parents, like, and that's all he had to do. It's just it's a, it's a better opportunity to like not only get, like it's just smarter, it but also it, question. It, it goes back it to Kylo Ren's past. But like, so so Jeff Bridges in Iron Man tries to kill Tony Stark. Tony Stark survives and instead changes the entire reason for their company and their business in the first place. They're not about making weapons anymore. They're now about something else. The business isn't different, but he's ruined the plans of Jeff Bridges. So what does Jeff Bridges does? He tries to kill Tony Stark again in front of his face. He in a pretty gruesome way, to be he honest. He rips his heart out of him, and then he tries to kill his girl, his assistant and other people, and then just like goes on a rampage, basically ruining everything. Just yeah. so he could, you know, get what he wants. That's basically J.J. Abrams. 
he made this whole setup for something to happen. Somebody came in, totally flipped his shit, and then he came in and was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to kill what you did, and I'm going to just, you know, do whatever the hell I want. Um, oh, my God. So let's just, like... He's Obadiah Stane. He is Obadiah Stane. Um, but the thought I just had now, the thought I just had right now is just like, you, that single-handedly just answers everything. Okay, so like, that would mean Ben was manipulated by Snoke at a much younger age, so Han, after, after the fact that he turned, knew... That Ben had killed some young girl's parents and then walked away. So then when he's looking at Ray, you know, in Force Awakens, the way he seems to know her and the way that Maz acts towards her, you know, mm-hmm. just the way that whole thing sets up. I mean, th- there is this old movie, uh, this old western about a guy. Ah, how did Trevor get that right? Because, like, there, there are old, like, now that I think about it, it makes sense. I wish I had thought about it when I read it, but, like, there are old westerns where, like, gunmen will come in and kill the parents of this young kid. And then years later, it's fucking Gangs of New York. Like, kill the kid's parents. Years later, the kid comes back and tries to kill you. But, like, that, that's why he would assume who the little girl is. Because deep down in his mind, he's always wondered if that person would come back. He sensed it in the Force that there was always this thing that maybe this girl would come back. And he just threw her on a planet. And was like, I'm just going to throw her on this junker planet. Someone will probably, she'll just stay here forever. She'll never get off. She'll never get revenge on me. Like, whatever. So, yeah. No, yeah. It could, it could totally be that way. That, like, Ren was in, somehow involved with somebody who was connected to Snoke. Or Snoke was somehow messing around with his brain. Or he was doing dark stuff because he was obsessed with his grandfather. And then somehow killed these parents. And then the girl, like, he watches the girl get orphaned. Or maybe he's already with Snoke and he's killed the parents and he's just, like, maybe five years older than her. So he's, like, ten, eleven, something like that. And Snoke's already, like, getting his head. You could find a lot more stuff about it. So instead, he gets redeemed and they kiss. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. Fine. Have it your way, JJ. We all know what happened. We all know what happened. It is dumb, but I did did like Ben Solo. I gotta be honest. I did like, I do like Ben Solo. Shrug, the owl, it's great. It's it's the kind of thing that I can't. They got their Han Solo carbon copy correct five minutes that they tried with two and a half movies with Finn and Poe. I will say this though, when he smiled, I finally saw what, how he could be Harrison Ford's son. When he smiled, I was like, you know what? He does look like Harrison Ford. No, I liked Ben. I didn't, I, I at least appreciated that. I mean, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I like the villain aspect better. I think it works so much better and it would have changed Star Wars and the idea of it's like, I, of course I'm pro that. But I and I've always been pro Adam Driver, but like those moments as action adventure moments work the same way that the moments work in Star Trek Into Darkness. When I watch it, I'm not uh, I'm not bored. They aren't unentertaining. There isn't merit 
there isn't no merit in those moments. It's just in the grand scheme of that story, it's stupid. And it's like, it, just don't think about it. And no, I don't want to think about how Ben gets redeemed. When at the end of the day, I like, I like the moment where they put the lightsabers next to each other. It's, I, I like Adam Driver, the hero. I always have. He has this movie that came out this year called The Report, and he's really good in it. Yeah, I know he kind really of plays good. a He's got a future, too. Yeah, he's, I know he plays a douchebag in Marriage Story more than anything else, but he also had another chance this year to like play a moral character and like fight this fight that like is totally above him. And I, I appreciate him. He plays nice people as well as he does good. Like, Patterson is a great movie. He he's doesn't good. even watch his performances back, and he's still that good. I mean, a lot. Well, dude, a lot of actors don't like to do that. My favorite, Michael oh. Shannon, hates it too. It's like for some people, it's about the process. And I also think a guy, I, when Adam Driver talks about the process to me, I believe him. He's a guy who went from being a Marine to saying, I've seen enough to know that I want to do what I want to do and not like give two shits about what people say. If I'm going to be in a fun role, I'll be in it. If I want to be, take something seriously, I will. Like he doesn't, he's a serious guy who can be fun, but more than anything, like he takes everything, he commits to everything he does. Yeah. Plus Ryan Johnson and. Adam Driver is such a great pairing. I like that. Anyway, all right. That was an hour and a half. <laughs> I think that's fine. That's if Zach we were here, he'd be chastising us. He would. Here's the thing. Like, I get what he's talking about, but yeah, he doesn't. I'm. He doesn't watch the films all the time, and so uh, yeah, it's. I think it's like he's getting. He's getting fed up with Star Wars. I get it. I get it. But I honestly also think this story is super interesting. Yes, I, I, I honestly think so. Um, <clears throat> plus, when yeah, I, we're, plus, we're not going to get it. Plus, when I'm not interested in a topic that you guys are talking about, I just sit back and let you guys go. You totally do. We're going to get an entire Evil Dead episode. Exactly. At some point. If I don't decide to grow a pair first. I was going to say, like, I don't think I need to watch it again to see if it's scary necessarily or just gross. But, like, I, I don't think you can, like, I don't think you have a problem with claymation gross. So, and that's pretty much what it is. Okay. So, um, we're going to move on now. Um, like I said, today was an experiment and it failed. Um, <laughs> I think honestly, when we go back, we probably shouldn't have gone through every category category in the awards. Yeah. We probably should have done our homework first. Yeah. A little we're more research. Men, guys. We're busy men. And we do like to joke about, Daisy really smearing poop on herself because that's what Colin Trevor would have had her do. Guys, oh my God, Carlo Ren is right there. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to team up with those people with the six-legged horse. I want you to get Boba Frick. <laughs> I want you to get Boba Frick to fix the robot. I'm gonna smear myself with a bunch of poop and seduce some stormtroopers. You sound like you Steve Irwin. <laughs> you have you have the force, Daisy Ridley. I oh, know, right, crikey. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm going to hide this lightsaber in this big pile of poop that I'm going to keep next to you. I'm going to... Let me just say something. You're a real beauty. You can get a lot of girls like you. <laughs> All you got to do is get your finger right up in his butthole. Oh, man. Rest in peace, Steve Irwin. And I am so sorry, Daisy Ridley. <laughs> I, well, I think she does not Ridley's listen to this. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> we find out later she's like a big fan, not anymore. No, um, I here's my thing for now on. Every Daisy Ridley impression I do is never going to be correct, it's always going to be different. 
some different version of English or English representation or just whatever. Like it's never going to be correct. I'm never going to get it right now. Okay. That's why that way she can never get mad at me. <laughs> there you go. Um... I will say this again. I put the movie on maybe about 20 minutes before you, we started this and we're, uh, we're at the end. <laughs> I, it is a two hour. It is a standard time, standard time uh, movie. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. It is the it is the lost world of Die Hard. I think. How, uh, what is I would say which one did you like more, this or the second one? Hmm. I think this one's better simply because of Jeremy Irons as the villain. Which mm-hmm. I didn't expect. I was like, "Oh, that! Like, oh, wait, Jeremy Irons is in this. Oh, that's nice." Um, I feel like, although it was effective, it was the pl- it was the plane crash that got me wanting the villain in the second movie dead. Okay, like it just needed that one. You just needed to do that one thing. And that was it. I feel like Jeremy Irons did a little more with his performance and a little more to make me care, you know, that I can appreciate. I mean, he blew up a train in a building and was willing to put a bomb in a park surrounding people. And in a school. No, he didn't put the bomb in the school. The bomb was in the school, man. No, like they put, no, it had syrup in it. Oh, that was syrup. Yeah. I missed that detail. <laughs> oh, no, no, the bomb was on the boat, and they were, they were presenting the idea that they were actual terrorists, that they stole the gold, and that they put it on the boat, they blew up the boat, and then sunk it. When, and one of the men, his henchmen, like his right-hand man, thought that's what they were doing. And him and his girlfriend were going to go pr- like, confront him about it, and Jeremy Irons instead like, was cheating on him with the girl, and she killed her own husband. And then they went upstairs and had sex and got like interrupted by McLean. But yeah. they they were they were like, did you watch the alternate ending? Yes, I did. That was the idea. They got away with it in that case, and then they turned the gold into little statues of Liberty and Eiffel Towers, and then they smuggled them out of the U.S. Except McLean knew. Anyway, um, he, he tracked him down. Yeah. This movie is a lot of fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this must be where they got the idea for 12 Rounds uh, with John Cena. Because I had seen that movie like about, like a good five times. 12 Rounds is a ripoff of Die Hard with a 12 Rounds is a... Okay, so it's about this guy. Um, I know what it is. I've seen 12 Rounds. I'm saying, oh, okay. yes, 12 Rounds is a is a ripoff of Die Hard. Uh, I heard it. I heard it as a question. I have terrible hearing. No, sorry. I got you. Here's the thing about the Die Hard movies. None of them until I believe the last one, maybe the next one we do. None of them are original ideas. They're not, they never came up as Die Hard movies. The first movie was based off of a book that was actually a sequel to a Frank Sinatra movie. And they um, turned that into Die Hard. The second one was based off a script called 58 Minutes 
about an airport getting held hostage that they put John McClane in. And this one is based off of a script called Simon Says that was, um, I'd say the first, I think they said the first half of this movie is basically word for word that script, except with McClane stuff thrown in. And then they changed the end to be more like a diehard movie. But because, so like, none of these movies are really diehard movies. They're always, they're always different ideas that have been shaped into a diehard movie. I see. So, um, it's weird to see, like, for me, ah, nah, nah, it's a, never mind. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, Samuel Jackson. <laughs> okay, when I messaged you the sign. Mm-hmm. I was talking about the sign. I think we all know what you were talking about. <laughs> when I first saw that, I was I was crying. For, I had to pause the movie for like ten minutes. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I was laughing so hard because that was the last thing I expected to see on that sign. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty stupid thing to wear out there. I thought it was going to be like some weird psychotic thing, like the end is nigh or something like that, because this was the third movie. And maybe like they didn't plan on making any more after this. So that they were just going to be like, I thought it was just going to be like foreshadowing to like a an end or the villain was going to be like more of like finality themed. No, that was not at all what I was expecting. Nope, it says, I hate N-words. And it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Like, <laughs> God. Samuel Jackson is like, dude, you better get the heck out of here. You're going to start a race war. So then this so then these this group this this group of this group of uh, African American people they they come up to him and Daniel Jackson whispers to him quickly it's like dude act crazy uh, and then he starts acting crazy <laughs> Um Yeah this is not- I am the voice of my own God. <laughs> the, librarian, the, the librarian said I, I had a headache today, and I do. I have a really bad headache today. <laughs> um, so this was not the first movie that they had done together. They did a spoof movie of the Lethal Weapon movies called Loaded Weapon 1. And, Loaded uh, Weapon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not bad. Like, if you, like, when we, here's the thing. When we watch the Lethal Weapon movies, you need to watch that movie. Just like you were supposed to have watched Hot Shots Part 2 when we watched and Rambo 3. That up. And yeah, because you need to watch it still. And one day you will, and you'll be like, Alex, you're right. This movie is fucking ridiculous. But that's the, that's the thing. They showed up in that together in like a small scene. Bruce Willis shows up for a little bit. But this is the year that they would first do the first movie they worked together in. And then the next year, they would do Pulp Fiction separately, but somewhat together. And then they would do Unbreakable and Glass. Like, they kept, they've been working together consistently for a while. Um, they do work well together, um, I think. Certainly in this. Certainly in this. Um, 
Oh man, I'm trying to. Uh, give me something to talk about. I'm running. I'm, I'm running low. I have a lot to talk about, dude. This movie is important to me, so I'm yeah. just running. I'm just running your initial reactions first. Just this movie was like. I will say the movie was more felt to me more fun than the last one. Where the last one was just it was okay, but it just kept it kept finding reasons. To not end, like it should have. It should have ended at the church. Should have ended with the ski chase. It should have ended, like, and then it finally ended with the air, with the with the fuel fire, running up to the jet. Oh my god! Um, I I think uh, I think this is way better than the last one. And I get what you're saying with like the guy in the plane, but like. I think Simon's a huge douchebag. They kill Ricky for one thing, and that guy, you know, he bets his lottery numbers on his badge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It worked to blow up a train if uh, he had not thrown the train, the bomb out of the train, which is what saves everyone pretty much. But right. like, if he hadn't been there, those people would have died. He also put a bomb in a park, and if they were wrong about that water jug thing, which like took, has taken me forever to figure out, I never would have gotten, and I would have been dead along with those kids. Like Simon's terrible. Yeah. The, oh, whoops! Dang it. Oh, I'm wait, sorry. Wait. I don't know. I don't remember if that's his first name or not. But Simon. It is Simon. Gruber. No, it is in fact. Yeah, Simon Gruber. Because he's, he's Hans Gruber's daughter. Daughter. <laughs> daughter. <laughs> I am so tired. Jeez, man! What movie were you watching? <laughs> I was watching the porno version. I'm kidding. I wasn't watching the porno version. Although I do think, like, the, if the fifth movie was like I'm the daughter, I would have been like anything better than Chernobyl. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Man. Um, okay, so here's the deal. Um, okay. The last movie comes out. It's a hit. It doesn't make as much money as the last one, but it's a hit. And but even when making that movie, Bruce Willis was like, "I, it's the same thing as the last one. Like if I ever do this character, he's like he wanted him to die. He's like if I ever do this character again, it, I just you know we got to do it right." So years go by. McTiernan does Hunt for Red October. He does a Sean Connery kind of Oscar baity movie called Medicine Man. Um, he then decides to get back into action with Last Action Hero, which we already did. Mm. And then um, right after that, he did this. He came back. Um, they had the script. It was a little bit sharper. He wanted to do it differently. Um, it's the, it, it, like his approach is just so interesting. He has a different DP with him. I, I, this, the second time I watched it, I really started to pay attention to his framing, which is really good. I just love it as a summer movie. Um, I think the action is really well executed. Um, uh, and then... The then there's the there's the alternate ending, which uh, which one did you like more? I have my pros and cons with both. Agreed. Okay, so <clears throat> the original ending, they escape the boat before it blows up with the shavings from the wire. <laughs> um. So he goes over. He gives him a quarter. He calls his calls and calls Holly. And then notices the bottle, the aspirin bottle that he t- that 
Simon tossed him. Um, and he's like, oh, crap. Bolts before he speaks with Holly. Now, and then after that, they go to Canada. Oh, Canada. Um, so, after then, the whole helicopter bit, he shoots a power line and then he gets tangled up and then they blow up. That was spectacular. And then he calls and then he goes back to call Holly. In the alternative version, time has passed. I guess they escaped to Quebec, melted down the gold, made the statues, smuggled them out, all went their separate ways. So that means time had passed after that. McLean doesn't like losing. So he tracked them down. Um, so he brings a Chinese rocket launcher, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I cannot even comprehend how he got that. But he painted out the arrows pointing which way you should point this thing so it confuses him <laughs> and he's like okay then he plays like 20 questions or he plays like a quiz quiz game with him which actually is rather satisfying um and then he makes him guess okay he's like okay which one which one is it he's like it's this way he's like you sure he's like yeah i'm sure and then he presses the button and he fires it on himself and that thing should have gone off much bigger than it did. Yeah, I've never I've never got that. And then he gives him the yippee ki I like the idea of the alternate ending more, but the way they executed it left a little something to be desired which whereas with this one it's it fits in more of them with what's come before agreed but like it kind of falls into the territory of the last movie where where exactly do you end this movie like um, yeah i i kind of see what you're saying cuz like do you cuz they did the the stuff that the thing that bothers me is that he had to call Holly twice. Like, why couldn't they just have him walk up to the phone, notice the aspirin bottle, and then right before he dials the number, then he goes. And then once all the stuff's done, then he calls Holly. Then he actually gets to call Holly. Or something like that. Instead he calls him twice. Instead he calls her twice. Well, in the novel that they wrote that they made with the movie in ninety five, it's the it's the rocket launcher ending. So my guess is she was always supposed to be left off the hook. I think, I think they shot that ending and then the studio was like, shoot a different one. And they were just like, okay, so he goes back to Colin Holly. And I think at the end of the day, it kind of works because um, I've been watching a lot of like videos and things about the series since we've started it. Tell me, you uh, watched Stuckman, Stuckman reviews. Stuckman was interesting, yeah. Um, he's obviously a huge fan. Um, and yeah, he looks he looks so dweebish back then. It's hilarious. He looks exactly like someone I used to know in high school with that haircut. So like it's the hair crazy. and the tats really show it's off how much shirt. he's grown up. It's that kind of it's that white shirt colored sleeve um, baseball uniform kind of vibe. 
with that hair that just makes me think like you look like, like you're a, a character in an Adam Sandler movie. Like you look like an SNL guy. <laughs> what the hell is going on right now? Of course, he cleaned himself up way up and he's doing better than me by far. So like I love Stuckman. It's just that that was funny. But he's like a true blue fan. And then I was watching this other guy. Um, everyone has basically the thing is everyone has different points and reasons why they think the series went bad or what they like about it. There are people who think that the first movie is a classic and the second one is like just a little bit below it because it's the same thing. And then there are people like me who think like three is such a great movie despite its divergence of it. And then everyone agrees that four is the point where they start to lose them. <clears throat> but I was, I was listening to something really interesting about this movie and this guy was like, one of the interesting things about the first movie is that is the monologues he gives as he's running around alone. His lifeline is Al, and those like moments are there, but mostly he's alone by himself, which makes it easier for the audience to connect with him. And he says the, the problem with... And he's alone by himself, the second one, too. But the, the problem with the third one is that he has Zeus there, that he has a, that he has a connection with, that you and the audience have always have a little bit of distance from him. But then as I was watching this again, I, the moment where Zeus sees him wearing that sign and walks over to try and help. That is that is the John McClane moment where he decides I'm not gonna, I I'm I'm not gonna go with the hostages. I'm gonna fight the terrorists because the entire point of the first movie is he's trying to get the cops involved and get out of the situation. He knows that he can't do it all by himself, but eventually has to. In this movie, like Sam Jackson, he wants to leave, but he decides to stay because the bomb was in Harlem. He thought. So like he's the he is the John McClane of this movie on those terms. But then we also have John McClane, the guy who's in his third situation of this. He doesn't want to be there because he's alone. He's like he's lost everything. He's been a year since he hasn't called his wife. He's basically on a downward spin. And by the end of the movie, Zeus convinces him to call his wife back. Zeus is the guy that brings him back to reality. He needed somebody to be there with him. Or else he was going to really, really lose himself this time and put a rocket launcher in front of somebody. That's what I think. I think that call to Holly is Zeus helping him. Which is why I like the fact that in the next movie, they start talking about his relationship with his kids. But I do wish that they had just recasted Holly. Um, <clears throat> so... For me, okay, if that's the case, then I kind of am leaning towards the alternative ending more as just, like, a score to settle before he, like, is done. Before he just, you know, because he said he quit. He, he's, out, he's out of the game. Like, it's like, I quit. So I could take no, that kicked, as... They kicked him off the force. They kicked him off the force, but I... Could have sworn he said he quit. No, and he, I feel like I feel like he said he quit, and he said he got kicked off the force. No, he got kicked off the force because no, he quit drinking. He got kicked oh. off the force because they thought he was involved with okay. uh, the crime in the first place. I got. Yeah, I did. So they fired him and it took away his badge. So that okay. was one of the main reasons why he went and got a Chinese rocket and went through all the efforts to find him. He lost everything. He lost his. That's. And here's the thing. This is not the way, this is not a happy ending for John. This is him just giving up and becoming just like, like dead inside. And the reason that I'm saying this is because that's what Bruce Willis and Mick Tiernan said. That's what they wanted. Like, instead of getting him killed in the second movie, they were like, he's just 
done now. He's just a tragic guy. Like, let's just like, if we do another movie, he's not redeemable family wise, unless we find some reason to bring his, like, this was going to be their last one. And they, he wanted to walk away with John McClane closer to the person who was uh, connected to the first book that started it all called the detective, like this haggard guy who like, the reason he feels like he has to do the right thing and is good at his job is the reason he's like alone. It's the reason all action movie heroes should be alone. It's the reason John Wick should be alone. That's like the whole point of it. Like the stuff makes you a ghost. Um, <clears throat> and it should make you a superhero. <laughs> so, I do agree. I, I think his performance in the alternative ending is really good too. I think he's just kind of like, just he's awesome he's like he has nothing to lose it's great um i do think that it's not executed well though there's something weird about a rocket launcher that's just like it it should kill them both right or like launch him out the window like it's um the rock you know like you're you're the rocket man it just like kills him but um i i also think that there's something a little anticlimactic about him just shooting them with the helicopter however I do love him swinging in with a helicopter in Canada with a bunch of cops and all the criminals are like, we're screwed and like interrupts him having sex. And he's just like, you son of a bitch. And like, that's, that is the McLean thing to do as well. <laughs> I do like that. And um, to me, I think it's, I, I think it's more of the, re I think it's closer to the other endings too. Cause like if Holly's not going to be there and he has to like become a human again, to me, it's like Mad Max Fury road. To me, he's just like a lost dude. And then like this experience with Zeus brings him back because Zeus is the one who's the new John McClane in this story. He's the one who's never been anything. He's the everyman. He's the one getting wounded and shot and like barely making it at the end. Um, he made the moral decisions to do it. John just like was forced in and then continued to do it because he didn't want to lose. That's the John McClane that exists now. He's not the guy from the first movie anymore. That was supposed to be Zeus. So when I heard that like review online, I was like, oh, so you just didn't want to connect with Zeus. You just want to connect with John McClane. You didn't even take the time to think about what like Samuel Jackson has been through, what his life is like. The fact that he made the moral decisions to join this, that he decided to continue going on the boat when he heard his nephews were there. Like he's the John McClane of this story. And you're wondering where the hell John McClane is. So that stuff is like weird to me. I also just think it's. It's just like it's the last Jedi, in my opinion, of this of this series. It's the one where they came in. Who doesn't matter who made it, but like everyone came in and was like, "We're not doing the same thing again. We're doing something different. We're changing the character. We're changing the setting. We're changing the vibe, but we're still gonna make it, you know, a great action movie because Paternin knows how to make good action." Uh, so, I I think this is the second best. I think Die Hard Two was really good, and watching it again, I really enjoyed it. Um, I do think that the plane going down and the guy guiding it down is the best moment in the movie outside of him blasting out of the airplane. And I think that's because of the performance. I, I, I think William Sadler is really good in that role. And I think that it's just such also, a moment. Good. No Walter Peck. <clears throat> Walter Peck. That's right. No Walter Peck. No Walter Peck, no Holly, no Al, no other connection but John. Yeah, he's alone. Um, so, to make that alternative ending better, me personally, what I would have done is 
John instead of okay instead of a rocket launcher, John brings two grenades. One's real, one's fake. He has to decide which one. And then if he pu- then he pulls the real one, makes it live, and then he dives over the bar ca- over the bar over the over the counter. Well, I I like that idea. It's more visually interesting. It's not it's not visually ridiculous. It's not a rocket launcher. (laughs) Well, well, here's the problem, though. With the rocket launcher, he's wearing a flak jacket. So no matter what, he would not die. You can't control the situation of a grenade. Uh... That's the point of the last reel, he says. Two guys walk into a bar. There's a rocket in front of them. What did one of them not bring to survive this situation? And the guy's like, uh, and he talks about the brandy. So he's like, you poisoned the brandy. He's like, nope. Fire the rocket. And it does. He's like, he didn't bring a flat jacket. And he pulls it out from under his thing. So he was always in control of the situation no matter what. If he got hit with the rocket, most likely he was going to fake death and then shoot him with the gun. My, I like the grenade idea. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is there anything that you could do with like a proximity mine? Is there anything that you could like, I don't know. But like there's something about a rocket launcher that's too goofy because when he fires it, it doesn't look like one. It just like goes right through him. And then there's smoke, and it's like, would it go so fast that it would just rip right through him and go outside and not yeah. like blow up the instant it hit him? I don't know. Like, I don't know how it launches work. Chinese ones, particularly. Like, if it was like, you're the expert on Chinese rocket launchers, Chris. You ain't, you ain't speaking. I'm gonna turn into Dan Gershie from the Slow Mo Guys for a second. <laughs> um. So for me. I think this. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a really bad guess. So, I think. I think the science behind it is that it's similar to an RPG, whereas, or like a mortar round, whereas like the front of it. Oh Jesus! You just sounded like you sounded like a valley girl in high school, being like, "It's an RPG. Don't point it at me." <clears throat> Whereas, like, an RPG may not always go off on impact. Yes. But I learned that from Black Hawk Down, so take that for what you will. So That's more (laughs) realistic. It's a realistic war movie. There's a freaking rocket in him, sir. Off the cog down, goddammit. There's a rocket. It's live ordinance. Now get out. Get out. Uh, I love Black Hawk Down. Um, So... I'm guessing that it the rocket just didn't go off on impact. Yeah, but it like, just went through. But then what was the flak jacket about? Exactly. I I don't I don't understand. Like the whole rocket the flak jacket is for if it only goes off, right? Well no, if it goes off then it's gonna still rip off his face. Exactly. Like, no, I'm sorry, like it, uh, he walked into that situation with a flat jacket knowing that it would have survived because that was the point of the riddle. So I, I think the rocket was always supposed to go through the person. But even then, all of this is making like we're, we're guessing we have to do research on rocket launchers. So like why use a rocket launcher? So I, I don't I don't know. Maybe use two guns. One's loaded. The other isn't. And then make the joke a bulletproof vest. Yeah. But then you could just shot him in the head? Yeah. There's just a weird, like, 
You'd have to like really like break that down. It would have been nice for him to say, "Oops, no bullets again." Yeah, there you go, or something like that. Oops, no bullets, and then shoots him in the head. Like, I there's just I I I don't understand how they got to rocket launcher, despite the fact that I can't get to anything else because now all I'm thinking is rocket launcher. Yeah. Like, like what, all of them, like, we're only reason we're thinking this way is because they put the elephant in our head. Like, they inceptioned us. Right. It's like, anything else, and it doesn't work. But the thing that they did doesn't work in and of itself. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. Anyway. I like the idea of the alternate ending more. Yes. But I still like what we got. Yeah, you still could have made another Die Hard where he's put in that situation. He just was a cop. He's not a cop anymore. Like, just because he loses his soul doesn't mean he can't, like, be in adventures later. He was always going to come back to the series for sure. But, like, yeah, the rocket launcher is the thing that makes it weird. While the other ending isn't great... It's because it doesn't match the spectacle of everything else. It kind of feels slapped on, but it also feels right. Right. That's weird. That's yeah. really weird. It basically, like, I didn't, I was wondering whether I should give you that ending or not, but then I was like, yeah, like, we're doing the whole series. So understanding where, like, their heads were at at this point is going to be really interesting when we get to the fourth movie and we're, like, starting to hit, like, Bruce Willis is a cockbag. Yeah. Um, plus, you equate it to The Last Jedi. I'd be like, The Last Jedi didn't end on such a dour note either, necessarily. It didn't Empire, no. Um, even though, like, the Resistance went from, like, a whole fleet of ships to just, you could fit them all in one, like... Space freighter. Still, the whole point—the whole point of that moment and that ending—was so that the third movie could be the building of the army that showed up in Skywalker. Exactly. Point and like that—that that was why that ending is hopeful and Empire is questionable. Right. Like right. that—that are two different movies. Like this movie, it had either one of those options, and I think that either one of them works, but both of them are just not executed properly because one is really super planned out except for one element that's fucking hilarious the rocket launcher and the other one is like slapped together but also kind of right like it's like if you just sort of like it's like you planned a meal but no one wanted it and you just sort of like made spaghetti real quick and everybody loved it (coughs) so it's Um, weird both of them are almost there but not quite right right with there's this ending I guess they were like, okay, there's probably going to be another one. But then there might not be. So they banked on there's not going to be another one. And they went with the, they went with the ending that we got. Well, the, the, studio and, uh, the studio didn't want them to do that ending. They shot it with the original ending in mind. But the studio didn't want it. Okay. So I, I, okay, so then I can see the line of thinking of... Okay, if it was me and I was given the option, I'm like, okay, what are the odds we make there's another one that's going to be made? 
And then I would evaluate that and then choose the ending based off of that. So from my internal logic, since they went with the so they went with the original ending, they didn't think they were going to make another one. And they didn't for years. There wasn't another one for like a good, what, almost a decade? More than a decade. When did um, Live Free this or Die out, Hard come out? This came out in 93. Live Free Die Hard came out in, nine, in 2007. Wait, what? Yeah. I'm looking at YouTube. It says Live Free Die Hard 2007. No, it's not. Ah, no. Turn your porn off, man. I accidentally clicked... Uh... UFC recap. I'm not even into MMA. Um, I said turn your porn off. Stop it. Um, uh-huh. no, Die Hard was... My fetish is on you. Yeah, uh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's snowing outside. Get out of my window. Um, <laughs> uh, God damn it. All right. Um, okay, so Die Hard with a Vengeance, 1995. So 12 years. Oh, 1995. Yeah, it was 95. Then Pulp Fiction came out first. I think they made Pulp this Fiction first. was the better Bruce Willis movie. Well, uh, no, this is the better Bruce Willis movie. Because, okay, never like, mind then. I mean, I mean, honestly, I love Bruce Willis and Pulp Fiction, but like, I I love the other elements of Pulp Fiction more. I love like, I I love the John Travolta Uma Thurman scene a lot, um, and I love the. Um, I, I do love the ending with Bruce Willis and that, but like I love this movie. This movie is like, this is one of those things I watched as a kid constantly. So that ending, I watched the original ending a lot, and the original ending always kind of worked for me, but it always felt slapdash. Even as a kid, I was like, that doesn't seem as planned out as everything else sure. was. Seems a little, seems a little like lacking. And then later, when I found out the original ending, I was like, I don't know if I like John McClane like that. My John, my John McClane wouldn't do that. My John McLean is like a hero. And then years later, I'm like, no, I kind of get it. <laughs> I, I kind of get it. But I lo- like now that I've been doing this series again, you know, I appreciate more, more of Zeus's perspective. I appreciate what Zeus offers, John. And I appreciate that at the end, like Zeus is like, dude, come on, call your wife. And he's like, all right, she's going to be pissed. He's like, ah, man, I'd be pissed at you too. But like, come on, man, you're John McLean. And I was like, "Yeah, man, you're John McClane." Um, see, now for me, it was kind of that—that was kind of the thing I had for like Luke Skywalker, because I didn't have that. Like, my Luke Skywalker would have done this. I would have been like, I was like, more. I, I hate to make everything about Star Wars, but like, that's who you are, man. Okay, yeah. I'm fighting um, every minute, not talking about Twin Peaks all the time. <laughs> um. But, I love it. For me, it was like, well, they put him on a freaking desert island and left him out of the seventh movie. So what exactly did you want him to do? What did you think he was going to do? Lucas even thought of that. Exactly. Um, without the, without the like, I don't want to go back and do that kind of like, except without, without the, uh, the jerky stuff. I think that, I think that was the difference. Um, I'm not so sure. There's the, the details on Lucas's sequel trilogy are rather vague, unless you really like 
dig, but um, they are vague. But like of the ideas he talked about, that was one of them, and he talked yeah. about like complete reverence he was like no i thought of a beginning and a middle and an end to this i don't know if i want to go through with it but like it's something i would want to do like it's something i've thought about that sort of makes sense in that world right. like the thing that fans were mostly upset about is that the, the last jedi doesn't worship the jedi and more importantly skywalker doesn't worship the jedi he announces the faults that even lucas announced pretty plainly in the prequels that the jedi failed that yeah the, the anyway religion- egotistical and all that stuff like it it was that fans being upset about that makes sense because like the their ideas of what the jedi were for so long were then getting questioned and that's i get it i don't it's not like there is any logic to it so when i was sitting there looking at that alternate ending for the first time i was like now i realize it's just the rocket launcher that's weird to me like like, that's so there's never been a rocket launcher in existence i mean he would weird would he though i mean i guess later john mcclain would but i don't know about like it just seems so okay anyway like it's it's just a weird thing to put in a movie like it's such a visual odd thing that people don't understand very well and like i took the directional things off and it's like they have directional things i guess they would you'd have to understand how to how do rocket launchers work oh my god he's dead so like there's so much going on in that scene you even miss stuff so I, I think the rocket launcher is too distracting. But when I was thinking about it, as like when I first saw it, I was, was like, I don't know if John McClane would like quit his job and do all this stuff. And like, would he go that down? And I'm like, no, yeah, he would. Yeah, he, he would. Totally would. But that doesn't mean that he couldn't get redeemed in a fourth movie. That doesn't mean that you couldn't put him in another movie where he like, he has a moment to look at his family and be like, I screwed up and then die. And then like a new sort of John McClane shows up. But ultimately, I like the fact that they ended the movie the way they did now. Like, I like the fact <laughs> Ze- I like the fact that Zeus reminds him of his humanity again, especially after seeing Fury Road because that's what Fury Road is. Yeah, just to think that Jack Courtney was going to be the next John McClane in a sense. He uh, he got Shia, Shia LaBeouf real quick. Or like yeah, like Shia LaBeouf in <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, I like Shia LaBeouf. He's a good as a, as an actor. He has really a... come into his own recently too. Yeah, dude, Honey like... Boy. Yeah, Honey Boy came out. I heard that was really good. The Peanut Butter Falcon too. American, um, I think it's American Splendor. No, that was that was a that was a Giovanni movie. There's a thing that he did. American Honey. American Honey. No, it was Honey Boy. There's two Where's movies. Where's it with him and Honey? Was... I was gonna say it's it's another it's movie that he did. About... Um, it's a really good LA movie. Um, it's really good. Uh, Nymphomaniac, like, no, yeah, I, I think he's a good actor. I just think he's 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 humili- He's becoming more. Um, he's getting he's gaining more humility now. Like, yeah, he, he's he's getting a little bit more like I I'm about the work. I'm coming out to say the work, and I'm willing to joke around and stuff. I'm not gonna like, you know, when he stole that short film, I was like, God, that sucks. But now he's like telling his own story, and he put a lot of work into it, and people are like admire that i do so we'll see i i would i would not mind i don't think he would ever do it but i would not mind um him being like in an indiana jones movie again i kind of want him to be in the next one um it just proves all the more like what like i watching last night again it just proves all the more how much michael bay just tells his actors to just you guys are stuck in a situation and you hate each other and you're just going to keep quipping at each other and you just hate each other. Like the smell of the other person is like farts to you. Just like, 
like they're, they're right. You hate the race. You just hate the race, but you won't say it. That's how much you hate him. And it's like, oh my god! Shia <laughs> LaBeouf is running around this movie, like screaming his head off and yelling at Michaela and his best friend and all his other people and his new girlfriend. And it's like, no, I get it. Michael Bay just, you know, that that's how he thinks people are supposed to act in situations like this. That's what he thinks people think are funny. But like, he's good in Eagle Eye. He's good. He's good in Indiana Jones. It's just Indiana Jones is weird. Um. Anyway, back to Willow. Uh, getting. We're just getting a series out here. Um, Bring Val Kilmer back. <laughs> he will not be nearly as attractive as he was. In no, he can play the old hobbit. Just dig a hole in the ground. That old wizard dude who made everything weird. Dig a hole in the ground, um, sleep in it, wake up to artillery fire in the morning, and then piss his pants. Yep, exactly. That was a jarhead joke, everyone. Um... Jarhead, wait a second. Yeah, it's even so long. That totally did happen. That's how I remember Jarhead. <laughs> um, what else? Um, I really like the for these first three movies. I like the I like the schemes of. The three movies. The heists? I really like the heists. Yeah, you're digging the villains a lot. I'm really digging these villains. Even though the second one really had that one... He did that one thing. Yeah, that one thing got you. That one thing got me, and it and it, it wasn't even, like, really... Tr- it wasn't even because he did that it was because of a real life thing that happened and like that just naturally set something off inside of you and now you're like that guy's gotta freaking go um so i feel like the second movie's villain as effective as that was didn't necessarily like, at least for me, didn't do much. Dude, he did a lot. <sighs> mm, I mean, let me, I gotta recall. The, the okay, Dude, he does do a lot, but like, I'm not saying that you're not right to feel the way you do because A, the performance is really good. It's actually it kind of creepy. And also, they show you the cabin. Of the people with the children and the baby. So, yeah. like, yeah, you see the people right before they die. You hear their screams as they die as the guy's like, I got you. There's something very just impactful about and effective about that scene. It was my favorite scene, totally. Um, and it wasn't even an action scene. Like, I, I see what you're saying. But, like, the third guy just doesn't get that opportunity because McLean keeps stopping him. But he does, they do, like, shoot his best friend's cop. They were going to blow up a subway. And just because we didn't see the people in the building at the opening, people died there. People died in the subway, for sure. There's no like, way nobody didn't die from that. Yeah, people you get died. People, you could see people get stretched off. Like, you don't see them get hurt, but you see them get stretched off. So people must have died. Also, in the, in the in the department store explosion in the beginning of the movie, like, come on. Yeah. And he, was, um, and he put a bomb in a park. They was and he put a bomb in the park. The hardest riddle is the bomb in the park. 
Yeah. Um, That's why if they survived that, they were supposed to go to the baseball game where they were just going to shoot him. Like, if he absolutely survived to that, he was just going to get shot in the head. Yeah. The kids were going to die. Um... But yeah, I'm really liking the I really like the like the whole plot of the heists. Like like back then, they they felt doable to a sense. Like it felt like, oh, someone could totally pull this off, which adds that layer of realism to it in a weird sense. But like today, it's just like people may see it as like 90s camp or like just 90s um just craziness. Whereas today you get a lot more like, like, um, Oh dude, I think my phone's going to restart. <laughs> oh, okay. So it did, it did an update in the middle of this. It just did an update. There it is. Okay. We'll be right back. Everybody hold on. We'll be right back. Okay. We're back. I'm back, baby. We're still waiting on the day that Alex's phone explodes, but um I mean I guess last. I didn't like what I was saying about I guess I didn't like what I was saying about something, so Yeah. Okay. So I I, I was thinking in my head like I missed the opportunity to make the joke because I was watching it, I was like, this is gonna this is gonna restart in ten seconds. And I wanted to be like, uh, oh, tell my mom I love her. Uh, I regret everything. And I just <laughs> I regret not getting to do that joke. No. It was just a very, like, long pause, and I'm like, as soon as you stopped responding to me, I'm like, yep, I'm just going to stop, and then I'll just <laughs> I wish I could have heard that all. Oh. Um, so, okay. <laughs> so, we're back. Let's uh, give a grade and get out of here. I did want to ask you one last thing. Okay. Um, how, how did you feel about the twist revealing that it was, I wouldn't say twist, but the, re- the revelation that it is actually Hans Gruber's brothers? I saw it coming. You saw it coming? With the German accent, I'm like, Hans Gruber's brother. Has to be, right? Because mm, it's with a vengeance. Because it's with event and it's with the vengeance, yes. Uh, I yeah, I, I like that they don't like milk that that they just like get it out of the way right away, and you turn out that it's like just a distraction anyway. Right. Um, I also saw that this movie has a fifty-two percent critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, that doesn't seem correct. Well, if you look at them, um, there's one there's one really high grade. And then there are several C's, several 75s out of 100s. And then the rest are really low. And a lot of the reasons that they're low is for two reasons. A, this movie came out the same week as the Oklahoma City bombing. A lot of people who were dumb were like, this is distasteful for you to put this. Uh... And that's just stupid critics being stupid critics. And then the other group of people are like, this isn't my diehard. <laughs> That was the critics. <laughs> that was the critics. Yeah, they weren't like, and like that was the time where people were like being hard on violence and stuff, and like they weren't. There weren't really any action movies out there. McTiernan had made Last Action Hero, and people were like, "This sort of stuff is we're done with it." And I honestly think the movie's like pretty, 
pretty solid for a 90s action movie. I think we put it on our like, bad wheel, so there's a reason for that. Um, I mean, it's, put what put what on the bad wheel? The last action hero. Oh yeah, because I mean, I like Last Action Hero not just nostalgically. I actually think the movie holds up, but it is a ridiculous movie with a lot of ridiculous decisions that, uh, even as jokes, don't the really dog make pyramid, the cartoon cat, the cartoon cat, and lines like, first off, what? Why would I be dealing with you when I could be doing something more dangerous, like rearranging my sock drawer? Rubber baby buggy buggers, aren't you guys gonna say that? And second, how will you snap your fingers after I rip off both your thumbs? Why have you been not going to school and spending time in an old movie theater? Your mother is scared. The leather, the leather on my elbow. What is it? What is it? What is it? Like, worn out? Exactly. Yeah, but like that's totally okay. Like <laughs> I like Last Action Hero. I especially think the action's very good. Um, the action's good. Okay. I just think it for the wrong reasons. Okay, so here's here's the interesting thing that um, I wanted to tell you too before we got out. So there okay. was a there was an original script for this before they decided to do the Simon Says script, uh, one that they took some time on. They weren't really sure about. It ended up making its runs in Hollywood anyway. And one of the main reasons it didn't come out is because something like it came out too. And here was the deal. So John McClane and his wife go on a cruise ship. So this is Speed Two, right? Yeah, that script became Speed 2, and the, <laughs> and the reason it didn't get made is because Under Siege had happened. But yeah, no, the, that, that script did not go away. Wow. That's, that's, why, that's why I like this movie, because that's what you would have gotten. Like, it's like, it's John McClane on a ship, you finish everything in that sentence. On, and, on, they got, done. And, they got, and they got somebody like who is nowhere near as charming or charismatic as Bruce Willis was in the 90s. No, I like Jason Patrick, but he's a vacuum in that movie. Sandra Bullock like shines, but also she's not an action star in that movie. Well, she is hilarious. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, that ending is ridiculous. I don't remember half the people that die, and there's plenty of people that die in that movie. Like I, Speed 2 needs to be on a bad wheel. It really does, but we have a lot of we have a bad. I thought talent. we argued vehemently against it. I think we did, but now that I now that we're doing a bunch of diehards, and now that we've done speed, I'm sure I'm going to want to after uh, a good day to die hard. Uh, I honestly think that Speed Two is more fun to watch than a good day to die hard, but for like the the reasons that it's bad, it's like still more stupid and entertaining. Whereas a good day to die hard, I think, I think it's boring i think we're probably gonna watch and just shoot, be super bummed about it i can't wait okay so, so what, I'm, four is gonna be interesting because i'm wondering if i'm like gonna, like i'm i'm wondering how much i'm gonna see it as a diehard movie as opposed to just a normal action movie i'm just gonna go in and say like okay what holds up what doesn't because this is 2007 action yeah this was this was um, 13 years ago. So... I'm guessing some of the CGI probably doesn't hold up. Or maybe some of the camera technique. Because it was like, 2007 was like the year of shaking cam, too. Um, yeah, that's true. Alright, but this movie... I 
I'm gonna go with B. You son of a bitch. Oh my gosh. Uh, no, I was thinking in my head B or B plus. Um, if I think it's at least a B for sure. Um, no. Also, one... go ahead. I'm gonna upgrade the first Die Hard to A minus. Really? What was it originally? It, I think it was B plus. Yeah. Um, it was a yeah, soft I... B plus, but I'm upgrading it now. Yeah. Because I've seen this. Uh, I'm like, yeah. But yeah, two's two's like two is not this. This is much better than two, I think. Um, but not. It's just it's just closer to one in terms of quality than it is just uh, like two is bad. Two's an okay movie and it has moments, but I think this this has a vibe to it. It's a great summer movie. the The pattern between him and Jackson is great. The villain's great. The story is fun. All the even all the henchmen have moments. Uh, it's really, it just has a lot of character to it, which I think is what's missing in the second movie. Uh, I'm going to give it a B plus. Okay. I think now, uh, not because it's nostalgic, but because now that I've thought about that ending and how I approach John McClane in this movie and, and see him as someone who's like alone and really appreciating Zeus's journey and what he both offers McClane and offers the audience. He's not just a surrogate. It's not like, He's there to help McLean. Now I see it as he is the McLean character from the first movie. He's the one who goes through all of this and makes the honorable decisions. McLean does it because of more jaded reasons. But yeah. by the end, Zeus is like, no, man, like, call your wife. You are a good person. Go do this. You're an asshole, but, like, you're capable of doing the right thing. Go do it. I like yeah. that. He was trying to make him the th- – make him – the person that made him stand out from everybody else in the first place. Yeah. Like in the first movie, he's all he wants to do is apologize to his wife. Second movie. Like he just wants to save her and he feels worse when like people start dying on his hands and no one's listening to him. And then it becomes like the competitive aspect. Cause by the when like one of my favorite things about the second movie is when he meets the wife and she's like, she has no idea what's happened. She has no idea what he's been through. He's got to explain all of this. And, like, there's a part of it that's going to be like, so you just wanted to win? And, like, yeah, I wanted to save you, too. But, like, yeah, but you also wanted to win. Like, there's some aspect of that there in that second movie. That's all it is here in the third one. He's trying to do the right thing and being a cop. But also, like, at the end of the day, he wants to win. It's Zeus who's like, come on, man. Like, we got him. You, you did it. Go call your wife. You did it again, like you're but you've got your mojo back. Go go call your wife. Yeah. So yeah, I'm B, you're B plus. Okay. Yep. So yeah, there you go, everybody. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um so next week or next episode, we're gonna scale it down a bit. Uh it goes down it goes to live free or die hard, which is PG thirteen, so it's probably not gonna be as good. Um just by that. Aspect alone. Um... I, I, here's, so here's the thing. When I was off, I, um, I found the video that Kevin Smith has. And there's two parts to this video. It's about 11 minutes long. And it, the first part is about how he gets involved in this movie. So you've seen this movie, right? Yes. Wait, Live for Your Die Hard? Yeah. 
No. I've seen really? maybe a moment of it. Oh, wow. Okay, so this is going to be interesting. All right, so I'm coming back to this after seeing it several times, and this is news to you. So you're, you're going to be the interesting power. This is the, this is the one that's going to be the most interesting. It's not as good as the rest, but, like, how bad is it? It's not really a bad movie, but, like, how, is it, how bad of a diehard movie is it? So I'm, I'm interested. Um, so there's a video. So Kevin Smith is in this movie, and he explains how he helped the film. The, the, the movie was in trouble and how he allowed himself as a writer to um, use his one scene to really elevate the movie and help it. And then the second half of the story is about how that relationship with Bruce Willis got him to cast Bruce Willis in the movie Cop Out with Tracy Morgan, which is an awful movie. And Bruce Willis is a huge cockbag, and he treated Kevin Smith like an absolute asshole. And that's what the second half of the video is, him explaining that experience and how he was like, I used to love Bruce Willis. I used to love John McClane. And my experience on the Die Hard movie really made me like passionate about wanting to work with him. And then I worked with him, and I wanted to kill myself. I wanted to kill myself. And it's like, oh, my God, Bruce Willis is a horrible person. But you also get a lot of interesting tidbits about how, how Bruce Willis works, how many like people he gets involved in a story, how he felt about Die Hard, what was going on with that movie, how Len was approaching it, and just kind of like being a bit, just like really cowering to Bruce Willis. It's like, there's a lot of interesting tidbits about it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it because it's like, this is where, this is the era of movies where I started watching, not necessarily paying attention, but like just watching movies just like yeah um wait say what now you're kind of breaking up honestly sorry how old were you uh gosh 2007 i was born in 96 so around 10 or 11 that's about how that was that about my age for die hard with a vengeance um so you started watching movies around the time iron man started Around that, yeah, um, where I really started getting into it. It wasn't until, like, much later, after The Dark Knight, where I'm just like, oh, this is so much deeper than I understood. I... It took me a while to realize how deep it, how deep the rabbit hole goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is around the time where I just started watching movies and, like, playing video games and... Really started to getting really started getting into that. Um, you didn't you didn't like it, it. wasn't it was just something you knew you loved. Yes. Yeah. Um, where I, it was like it was like in that weird transitional period around where I stopped. No wait. Okay, so where I was starting to like go away from playing with action figures and all that and i was trying to play more video games and um watching movies it wasn't until like maybe 2000 anywhere somewhere between 2009-2011 where i started figuring out how deep the rabbit hole went um so it's going to be interesting for me because this is right around the era that I grew up around. So this is what they thought I would enjoy. There's that aspect. And then 
be never really actually because like with me with Die Hard, I've only ever seen a good day to Die Hard start to finish. Um, oh God, man, that's so. I told you that before we started. I know. Like once you this. say it again, it just affects me. Like, but at, so like you've seen three of them so far. Like you see what yeah. this used to have been. Right. Um, and then we're time jumping 12 years. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to get into a little bit more about what happened between Bruce Wilson. Now, like when, when this movie came out, vengeance, uh, he was a huge star. Uh, women were staring out the windows at wall street, looking at him as they filmed this movie. Um, he was, he had already done Pulp Fiction. It would be a couple more years before he does like, uh, fifth element. And, uh, yeah, he he. he would, Women he would, were staring out the window nope. at him at yeah. Wall Street. When he was filming the movie, they were much more accepting of balding men back then. Um, he was still a star. He was still like he. By that point, he had already tried serious movies, like um, uh, got Color of Night. I think was one. Maybe I'm wrong. This is before uh, Sixth was, Sense, right? This was Sixth before Sense was Sixth Eight. Sixth Sense was. Could have been ninety six. Okay. Anyway. No, it's it's either ninety six or ninety eight, somewhere in that range. Um, no, it's ninety nine. It came out in ninety nine. Oh, I see. We were I so was, yeah, right. like ninety seven is Fifth Element for him. Um, so yeah, like he never would really fully go away. Um, Two thousand, I think, was the last time he did a good serious movie that was Unbreakable. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, he would make some action movies. He like I think the whole nine yards is a good movie, whereas the whole ten yards is a piece of crap. But, <laughs> yeah, well, like, whole nine yards is genuinely a funny movie. I really love that movie. I can't wait to show that to you one day. Um, it's like stretch kind of good, like not necessarily uh-huh. action wise, but it's super funny. Like I can't wait to get you into Matthew Perry movies because some of them are quality. Uh, and uh, what else did he do? He did the Red movies? I. I genuinely like the Red movies. Uh, they're all right. If you like the Red movies, I think you'll like whole nine yards and possibly whole ten yards better. Um, and then he would eventually get up with like Wes Anderson and stuff. And somewhere in that window, somewhere after 2007, he started doing directed DVD movies and then started working less in general. And Kevin Smith's story explains a lot. Mm. I guess that's what the uh, one of the heroes of the '90s. Um, I guess that's what they'll. I guess that's what it'll do to you. Um, I I don't know. I or think unless he was just born with asshole. it. No, he was a nice. No, people. He wasn't an asshole to start out with. He became one. Like Hollywood uh, just. Hollywood yeah. just did it to him. Yeah, pretty much. Stardom did it to him. So, because when he started before he did the first Die Hard, he was on a show called Moonlighting, and um, the other he was with another woman named Sybil Shepherd, and Sybil Shepherd kind of had problems and was a huge diva, and they would they was a very contentious set, but their chemistry was great, so the show was a hit for a couple seasons, but um, she was the diva, and he was the guy who was like just like making things fun on set and like having a good time. And by the time the third movie came out, he was like, he'd already tried serious acting. He tried a few comedies. He'd had the Look Who's Talking movies. Uh-oh. Yeah. So he had done a lot. Um, I, think he, I think he lost his clout by 
I'd have to look between 2000 and 2007 again, but I think 2000 is the moment. I think that was the last of his moment. And then it like 2007 is like him trying to do it again. He had done other action movies, but I don't think any, I think he even done some of the expendables by live free die hard, but he was a background he, character in the expendables. Yeah. That's my thing. Like I, I guess, yeah, he hadn't, I, I'd have to look. Oh yeah. He'd done surrogates. He'd done a few action movies since then. Oh, surrogates. Like, yeah. I remember that. I don't. I remember <laughs> seeing a trailer for it and I was being like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. But, um, it was, it was like gamer. It was, yeah, it wasn't that. It was a side. Oh, yeah, he did Looper. Okay, so I'm Looper gonna look this up. Real Looper, quick. Looper's really good. I'm gonna look this up real quick because, like, he had, every now and then, he had a few nuggets in there. It's gross. Sounds gross. All right. Uh, Die with a Vengeance. I'm looking it up on IMDb. I'm gonna get to Bruce Willis's filmography here. <laughs> yeah, 2000 was, um, Unbreakable, and I feel like that was like the last solid real movie, um, serious movie that he did. I like Whole Ten Yards. Loop is really good. Um, Nine Yards, you said you like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. The second one is Whole Ten Yards, which is a really bad, bad name. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, 2000... Okay, so Six Sense was nineteen ninety-nine. Okay. Unbreakable was two thousand. Whole nine yards was two thousand two. So yeah, that's a good year for him. Um and he was in The Kid, which is dumb, Bandits, which is blah, Hearts War, which is not good. Grand Champion, never heard of it. Tears of the Sun, you may like that. Mm. Um it's a war it's a war movie where it's like a leader of Marines. I see. Uh, yeah. 2003, I think. Uh, then you had Whole Ten Yards. Sin City. I like his Sin... No, Sin City's really good. Yeah. All oh, right, Sin City. I forgot he was in that. His section of Sin City is very good. Um, he also did the movie Hostage that year. I cannot wait to show you the movie Hostage. That is a curiosity wheel for sure. There are things I love about it, and then there are things that are absolutely insane. Um, I can't believe I forgot about Hostage. Okay, crazy. Uh, the Astronaut Farmer is really dumb. He was in Over the Hedge. No, Lucky Number Eleven. That's a good oh, one. Oh, Over the Hedge. Alpha Dog is really good. He was good. the turtle in Over the Hedge. Fast Food Nation. 16 Blocks is not great. Planet Terry's little thing. Perfect Stranger is supposed to... Perfect Stranger was just on on How Did This Get Made a little bit ago, so that's supposed to be a bad movie. Live Free Die Hard was 2007. And then... What Just Happened? I saw that performance. He's, he plays like a, a jerk version of himself. Then Surrogates was 2009. Expendables 2010. Red was 2010. Cop Out was 2010. He's supposed to be a huge asshole there. Then we get the movie Setup. Never heard of Setup. I think this is what happened. It, I think the title kind of reminds me of "Set It Off." Uh, it's, I've seen it's, parts of that movie. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is the start of his DVD reign. Oh yeah, there's fifty. So seconds. he went. So he went oh, Nicolas yeah. Cage for a while. Oh no, he's still Nicolas Cage. Are you kidding me? He's okay. been Nicolas Cage for apparently the last ten years, while every now and then doing a good movie. So 
2010 is Cop Out, and that's when you watch Live Free, Die Hard, watch the Kevin Smith video, so you know what happened on the set of the movie, and then you'll know what happened on Cop Out. So after Cop Out, literally 2007, that's when he hits the direct-to-DVD market. And I see. One, two, then he does Expendables 2, then three, then he does Moonrise, Kingdom, and Looper in 2012. So 2012 is a good year for him. Then he's back to direct-to-DVD for a couple movies, then he does Red 2, then G.I. Joe, then A Good Day to Die Hard is 2013. Then, oh, man. Sin City of Dame to Kill for is a piece of shit. The Prince is bad. Vice is bad. Rock the Casbah Extraction. Split. Rock the only- Casbah. <laughs> Once about a time. Oh, Good. Yeah, then we're just, yeah, after that, then it's just like downhill, straight up. And then he, um, he did Motherless Brooklyn and Glass this year. Um and then a past couple directed DVDs. This past year. Yeah, past year. This past year. Um, so he had a good, I guess you could consider Glass and Motherless Brooklyn um, good movies for him. But he's only in Motherless Brooklyn for a bit. And he doesn't really like pull out any stops for Glass, I don't think. Um, okay. So it's not, really, it's not really like he put a bunch of effort into him. The only movies he seems to give two shits about right now are Wes Anderson movies. Well, I thought, well... Mm. I really like Looper. Was he any good in Looper? I can't remember. Yeah, no, he's great in Looper. Okay. Looper was like. But since he's a raging jerk, Ryan Johnson may be le- less inclined to include him in a production. It seems like it. Anyway. He's never said anything. Bad. That's how I know. That's one of the many reasons why I'm not surprised he's handling Last Jedi so well. Because if, like... If he can take Bruce Willis, he could take yeah. a million Bruce Willis. <laughs> the, the other thing is, like, like, Bruce Willis understands a good script when he sees it. That, that's, he's proven that time and time again. That's why he's working with Wes Anderson. That's why Fifth Element is so good. That's why whole, t- whole Nine Yards is a thing. Like, that's... Uh, he had Sin City. He knows a good, unique thing when it comes around. And I think in those moments, it's maybe less and less now as he's getting older. But time and time again, he's looked and stepped out away from his ego and been like, okay, like if I'm a part of this, people are going to talk about this forever. So I'm just going to get my foot in the door. And every now and then he nails it. And, and then sometimes he just beats it to death with horrible sequels or he ruins the relationship somehow. And I think nowadays, like the only person who can stand him is Wes Anderson. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, yeah. We have So I like how with Mission Impossible, we kind of went into the like the path of Tom Cruise and now we're going into the path of Bruce Willis. Um when it comes to action movies, yeah, cuz that's all it's really about. Like, I don't know what the hell we're going to find when we dip our toes into the marine, but all right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get to Marine. I can't wait. I really want to get your thoughts on it. I can't Dude, wait. it's just going to be the same action movie over and over again with maybe... Uh, this is my guess. The the Because who did it start with? John Cena first, right? It started with John Cena, then Ted DiBiase's son, then with Mike the Miz Mizanin, and, and then on. And then Shawn Michaels was in the last one. So it's pretty much a different person almost every time? No. Okay, so it's like... I think it was John Cena for one movie, Ted mm-hmm. DiBiase Jr. for 
two movies, and then okay. the Mike the Miz Mizanin from then on. So they're they're like eras. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. So they're but they're, they're all varying. No, yeah, it's like it's not like Bond so much as it's like a Friday the Thirteenth movie where like a character will run rain for like three movies and then they'll just like do no, they're else. different. They're all different characters. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like the, there's barely any connected tissue between right. all of Friday the Thirteenth movies, but like there's a guy named Tommy Jarvis and he's like the lead character for three movies against Jason, and then they just eventually drop him and have Jason fight other people. So like there's a protagonist sometimes in these movies. That'll run the gamut for a while, but then like they'll just keep going without him and not give a fuck. Um, but they do get progressively like less and less in budget, which kind of actually makes them better. So they're, just gonna get, they're gonna get dumber and dumber for us, or they're like they get more in uh, creative. I think they it starts. Uh, they're all dumb. <laughs> They're all varying degrees of dumb and bland. Well, dumb. But they're a little more creative as they go on. Okay. It's it's weird. But, yeah. Um, Oh, man, I can't wait to get to the Marine. That'll be our gateway into WWE movies in general. Because those are all bad, too. (laughs) Except Oculus. You're not even going to watch Surf's Up 2. I am. I oh god. Um. Anyway, so I think we've recorded long enough. Um. So we're trying. We're doing our best, guys. Yeah, we're trying. So that's it. Um. We are going to go on to live free or die hard. I I remember the promotional stuff that came out for it. I just don't remember the movie. Um. I just remember Justin Long is in it, and that's it. That's all I know. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to... I wouldn't be surprised if you walked away and were like, I really liked this movie. And then, like... I don't think... I think you're going to like the movie and not necessarily consider it a good diehard movie, but I feel like there's a part of you that's going to be like, I was more entertained than the other ones. All right. Uh, we will find out next time. So uh, we'll see you all then. Alex, say goodbye. Bye-bye. Hashtag release the Trevor Cut. Yeah, release that piece of paper for us, please. Just email it to us. <laughs> it's just a two and a half hour movie on one page. Yep. It's like a okay. photograph. Like, oh yeah, better. Sweet. Yeah. Sequel, yeah. please. <laughs>